to Battle Red Radio on a very special live edition of the show on a Friday night because we're sickos and losers with uh, nothing else we want to do aside from talk about our terrible football team. Tonight, as of right now, I'm joined by Scott, who you know on the website is L4 Blitzer. He writes a tremendous article once a week with uh, not fake news. How are you doing tonight, Scott? Oh, I'm doing good. I mean, we're Texans fans, so I mean... We, we got to be doing good some way, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's like football may be, uh, may be bad and everything, but well, the Texans may be really bad, but football is always good, you know, kind of regardless. And as <laughs> if that's the worst thing in your things, life, then you're doing something right. So Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, like, you know, going with this season so far this year, what has been probably your, your least favorite thing about it? <sighs> I, ugh. I mean – we knew going into the season that the Texans were probably for the first time in a long time, were not burdened with any expectations of anything. Um, they just, the way the roster was constructed, everything that went on this off season, the franchise player that we thought Deshaun Watson was suddenly all of this stuff happens. He, he doesn't want to play to begin with. And then all the legal nightmare stuff like takes him off the board. We knew, I think we knew it was going to be bad, but the fact that it is as bad as we feared and then some, I think has made it that much worse. Like mm-hmm. we, we didn't figure the talent was going to be great. Maybe there was a chance that, you know, they were going to be that plucky underdog. You got all these veterans plus some young guys and they weren't going to win, but they were going to fight. But most of the games this season have just been like, <laughs> you know, why did you even bother showing up? Mm-hmm. They've just been mud stomped six ways from Sunday and especially on the road. I mean, you know, we knew they were going to be a bad road team, but their performances on the road have just been historically bad. I mean, I think it was uh, Aaron Reese, I think from uh, the athletic was talking about like the scoring average on the road right now is like rivaling like the 92 Seahawks, apparently with the worst, worst scoring average in recent memory. And the Texans may break that whether Tyler, yeah. you know, Taylor or, especially if Mills comes back in the starting lineup, then I, yeah, they've just been horrific on the road, like mm-hmm. really bad. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, I don't know, it's one of those things where I thought it was going to be bad, you know, kind of regardless of everything that they said and the decisions they made this off season. And, you know, I've been pretty adamant, you know, going back to the free agency period and especially the contract restructures, just how like, you mm-hmm. know, he's done, uh, Nick has done a bad job, job this off season too. And it's so like them being you know, one in eight now isn't necessarily surprising to me. I think the biggest thing that's been kind of you know, surprising was just like how bad Tyrod Taylor was last week. I think of all the things I've seen this year, how Taylor performed last year is probably the most surprising part of it I've seen so far. And I mean, and you had those first six quarters of the season where he, you know, played incredibly well against Jacksonville and then went toe to toe with Cleveland back when we thought Cleveland was going to be a real factor in the AFC. I know they have their own issues, but those first six quarters, like, okay, they're going to be plucky. 
They're going to fight. They may not win. We don't expect them to win, but at least they're going to, you know, be that team you don't want to play. You'll beat them, mm. kind of like Navy is for all those big programs or the service academies. You don't want to play them. Yeah, yeah. And you should beat them, but they're just going to make your life real tough that day. And since he went down in Cleveland, this team is just like, I don't know. it, it And it's just flaws all across the board. And I, I agree with you. The contract restructuring is really looking bad now because we knew this season was probably going to be the lost year. We knew it's like, mm-hmm. okay, all of this stuff is like, they're just, it's just going to be bad. But it just felt like you brought in all, you restructured these deals, particularly with Merciless and Tunsil, where you backloaded the cap hits. So you could bring in all these one-year contracts. It's okay, fine, and one, one two-year, but it's like, you're almost like, okay, why didn't you just bite the bullet, except that 2020 was going to be bad, bring in all your street-free agent guys, and then 2022, high draft pick, picks plus mm-hmm. like Oku cap room like full-on rebuild and, and it's like it's going to be tough enough to get, move forward but why did you hamstring yourself like you've got all these different cap hits now i'm sure we'll have to do some further analysis on like what's that's going to look like at the end of the season how much dead money we've got even with all the releases the trades but it's like you, if you're going to go bad, not that you want to be openly tanking per se, but at least take the hits this year. And then for 2022, you've got a full off season, high draft picks, full complement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely got- agree. And, and it's like one of those things in football too, that we learn is that whenever like rebuilds me quick in the NFL, like it's not like baseball where it takes like five mm-hmm. years for the farm to yeah. get built out and things to occur. It's not, you know, I guess hockey's kind of like that too. Though I haven't watched hockey since I was a, you know, fat 12 year old, um, you know, basketball, it's kind of like you're bad until you strike out until like you luck out like a really great player, a star player, and you kind of build around them. And different for you, like the, the how these careers are that, you know, you can really kind of get good pretty quickly, especially if you're able to have like one great draft class, kind of like what we saw with the Indianapolis Colts. So do you want to start off with some sadness? Are you ready for some sadness tonight? What else is new? It's 2021. All right, so I'm going to read you the dead cap hit numbers for oh, every gosh. Houston Texan this year. Are you ready? <gasps> this is for this season, too. This is even for next year. Wendy Merciless, oh, 8 million. Bradley Roby, 4.6 million. Randall Cobb, 3.5 million. Nick Martin, 2.5 million. Andre Roberts, 2.1 million. Shaq Lawson, 1.7. Bernard McKinney, 1.5. Mark Ingram, 1.2. Joe Thomas, 1.0. Brian Borders, 920K. Brian Anger, 833. Duke for 826. Vernon Hargraves, 8785. Zach Fulton, 750. Jeff Driscoll, 750. Alex Erickson, 500. Chris Moore, 500. Brandon Dunn, 500. Darren Fellows, 500. Gary and Conley, 480. Charles Omenahu, 451. Lane Taylor, 400. Robert Johnson, 400. Jaleel Johnson, 400. Anthony Auclair, 350. Anthony Miller, 336. Cornell Armstrong, 317. Joe Thomas, 250. Senio Calamente, 250. Kahali Warren, 223. Buddy Howe, 200. Jeff Driscoll, again, 193. Kiki Cutie, 182. Hardy Nickerson, 150. Jalen Watkins, 150. Chris Moore, 136. Dontrell Hilliard, 127. John Reed, 123. Ryan McCollum, 108. Carson Green, 108. Cole Toner, 102. And Derek Rivers at 100. It comes out to a grand total of $40,160,000 in 
dead cap for the 2021 season. And next <laughs> well, year, they're projected to have uh, $22 million in the cap space with Winnie Merciless, $7 million, Shaq Lawson, $5.2, Bradley Roby, $4.7, Cobb, $3.5, and then Dunn, Roberts, Reed, Warren, Coulter, and Ingram all being less than a million dollars. $22 million dead cap already. Now, I can't recall if they projected that the 2022 cap was going to go up a little bit. We're still shooting, what, about 190, 180-something? Yeah, I think I think it's supposed to be like I think the one this year is one ninety two, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna go up next year. Now that they have like fans of the game, and they also added that extra week of the season too, and so I think that extra week will also make a difference in the cap space for next year. Yeah, but even still, like a twenty two million dollar cap hit, you're kneecapping yourself already going in with that, and of course, then you know the other issue with Deshaun Watson, you don't trade him before if. For the nightmare scenario, you don't find a way to trade him. No one picks him up, and all the legal stuff. You know his base, sal- you know salary is going to go up to like thirty-five million next year, mm-hmm. and then you've got that hit on you. So, nightmare scenario: we can't. He doesn't go to another team, and he's still on the roster. And presuming he doesn't have a change of heart and doesn't want to play, and he's like a thirty-five million dollar healthy scratch, then yeah, that, they, that doesn't yeah, the salaries next year are kind of funny because Watson has a cap hit of forty point four million. Whenever they trade them, they'll lose $10.8 million in cap space. Uh, Tunsil, $26 million. Zach Cunningham, $14 million. Who doesn't even play like third downs and has been benched, you know, a few times this year. Brandon yeah. Cooks goes up to $16.2 million uh, since they restructured his contract. And then Eric Murray at $6.7 million, who if they cut him, they have to pay $1.5 million dead money. But they do save $5.2 million. And everybody else here is just like a lot of guys who are under $5 million. I'm the funniest one though is next year Kevin Pierre Lewis is due four million dollars if he stays on the roster, which isn't gonna happen, but it's just hilarious to imagine a world where that was to occur. It well, where the Texans concerned, nothing is off the table, good or bad. I mean And they it, only it, have twenty then they only have twenty six players under contract next year also. Yeah, and that I mean <laughs> at that point, more free agents, but then you know, the the abortive youth movement, which they probably should have gone with to begin, you know, to start mm-hmm. the season, just load up on undrafted free agents, what draft picks you can. Added, you, I still can't believe they only had three, just three last year. Yeah, it, well, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but it, it, this team just, it, it was like, we kind of, maybe as a fan, you're like, okay, maybe this could work out, but you're also like, if it's going to be bad, just like, but you know, again, bite the bullet, take this year for what it is, just the nightmare year mm-hmm. and set yourself up for like the ultimate, you know, 2022, you know, unlimited cap space, practically higher draft picks and go. But it, it, and it, and that might still I mean, yeah, there's so many cases of worst to first. I mean, the one that comes to mind, it's a little older, but like the 99 St. Louis Rams, you know, they've been last mm-hmm. place for like three straight years and then boom. Yeah. And like, and like the Bengals this year as well too, you know, like you really think the Bengals have, they've been rebuilding for like five years now or so, but now they got Burrow. Like it's only Burrow's second year. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, that's like a good first overall pick. And then one year later, you're back into being a playoff contending team, you know, like they had a really good all season by how they overall their defense by adding six free agents too. Um, and they did a good job, like keeping like not having bad contracts on the roster and minimizing, uh, you're kind of going all in before they needed to also. And even like their offense, I think one of the most surprising parts of the season is how good their 
outside zone blocking scheme has been Cincinnati after everybody just like, you know, not knocked them for the Pina Sewell thing, even though that had been the right move the entire time. Well, I think with Cincinnati too, I mean, granted, they've had a good first half of the season, but you got to see how it plays out. Now, granted, the AFC North has not exactly been what we thought it would be. I mean, you figured Cleveland and Baltimore were going to be fighting for it. Pittsburgh is going to be a factor. I'm so mad that crappy team's going to make the playoffs. Well, they suck and they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, well, the NFL wants, you know, more playoff games, more playoff revenue. So that's, that's the drawback. You sometimes are going to get those teams that sneak in somehow. Uh, I'm North- so mad about last year where we get that crappy bears team in the playoffs playing like that. That was an awful game against the saints. That should never have happened. And then the we only saving grace was that was on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I mean, Nickelodeon it's like I'm a I'm an adult man. I don't care about that. <laughs> but then uh, but you don't like seeing slime in the end zone. What? No, I'm an adult. I'm. It's not 1996 anymore. Grow up, you bunch of losers. You're not a child anymore. You know, Rugrats are for babies and children. It's not for a 27 year old man. But uh, and then also I got that that Colts team in the playoffs too. And I hate the Colts. And it's like. It was the worst outcome imaginable. And this year, it opens the door for the Colts, too, who play um, play the Bills this weekend. And I think they play one, another bad team next weekend, but their schedule gets tougher, too. But like, it's hard to get even six playoff teams some years. You know, We don't need the extra one. And also, I just hate the idea, too, like the NFL always talks about player safety this and how we stick up for players that. And what what's the worst thing for player safety? Adding another game that's meaningless to have your guys get their heads, you know, hit in a, another week. It doesn't make any sense at all, you know? Yeah, it, well, I mean, player safety is great, but, I mean, a player gets injured or billion more dollars in TV contracts. I mean, you, you yeah. do the math. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's inevitable they're going to go to 18 games at some point. I mean, I, I guess if there's a projection I would maybe see out of it is that, at this point, they've already crossed the Rubicon. The Super Bowl will forever be in February. I mean, th- that's going to be a given. Um, what I would like to see at some point, and I think they may get there, if you get the 18 games and then you argue enough where you set up the playoff structure plus maybe a double buy, where a team gets a buy in the first half of the season, a buy in the second half, where it sets up that Super Bowl Sunday is right before President's Day Monday, where a fair yeah, amount of the population gets that day off one. anyway. And if, I mean, think like all the numbers on productivity you lose for Super Bowl, you know, the Monday after the Super Bowl, what is it like? Hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, because people in America, probably more than millions, but I mean, they're just going to take the yeah. day off or not show up to work. I mean, so or if you've got like a federal holiday, blow with a half a pizza and you know, 10 beers in their gut, you know, yeah. that's what they should do. They should make that a legal holiday. And then use the money that's been wasted anyways to, I don't know, build a train from uh, San Antonio up to Minneapolis uh, <laughs> or, or help people out with, with you know, give everybody $10,000 for student loan debt. Do something, you know, with that extra productivity money that's been, you know, wasted there too. But yeah, I agree with that. And like, I just don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I also just enjoyed how nice and square it was before. You have 32 teams. They each play 16 games. Yeah. They play a division twice. They play uh, one one other division once a year. They play another division within their own conference every year. And then where they finished last year, they played the same teams in the other conferences in the same com- – the other teams in the same conference who finished the same place. It was beautiful. It was perfect. 
you know, you have, you have four playoff games in back-to-back weekends. There's just too much of it. And like, I just got tired too last year. I fell asleep in that Rams game. I fell asleep in the Bears game. You know, it's hard watching nine hours of football too. Um, I think four is, is more than enough. And you can have too much of something also, you know. And that was a danger that I think that, and I know, say what you will about him for Mark Cuban, but I remember he brought that point out where, you know, there was that concern the NFL brings out the Thursday games. Well, in addition to player safety, because you now have like a short turnaround for a lot of guys, you can just see how I'm having a tough time thinking of a real classic Thursday night football game off the top of my head. And, yeah, and a lot of it is just like a frantic, weird thing because you got players, short rest. Thanksgiving, you see that Thanksgiving, but that's kind of a, a, a special, different deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, it's like all the money because, yeah, we all know most of the, play, the, team, the players are kind of not at full capability. You may not be getting the best quality, but we end up tuning in and watching anyway. And, like, you look at the Nielsen ratings – and all the streaming stuff, like whatever game is on Thursday night. Watching that game. Yeah, I don't know who's watching Thursday night football. There are always like, you know, 40 million people watch Thursday night football. Who? I, I none of the I, same I, people that buy like the Celine Dion CDs and stuff back in the day. It's like nobody listened to it, and yet she's like topping the charts. So yeah, it makes zero you're lying or. Yeah, I understand all. Like, I know for me personally, like it's hard for me to watch a game and sit there for you know three and a half hours. Like I watched Houston. And then all the other games, I just watch on condensed version I want to watch to fill in the blanks, you know? And I watch all the games that we do for the podcast previews to make sure that I'm not, like, just talking, you know, just talking on my butt whenever we do that one, too. And, like, I just can't sit there for, you know, just a a random – like, I can't watch Dolphins-Ravens on Thursday night. I can't sit there for three nights. Like, I love football, but nobody loves football that much, you know? Yeah, especially the way that game went. I mean, living up here in the – in, you know, in between Washington and Baltimore, I get all those games. Mm-hmm. And that game in particular was just like, what the hell? Like, come on, Baltimore, you're better than this. <laughs> Did you start that game or was that Brissett game? Uh, no, that was Brissett that game. He started oh, and then two came in in relief. Not quite as dramatic as what he did in the national title game against Georgia, but. Unbelievable. Yeah, I can't that, believe that... I Watching Brissett, I think the worst quarterback performance I watched this year was Brissett against the Colts this year and like it wasn't like a bad weather game but just like it's overthrowing her by by seven yards and he's kind of like Jameis where like he's like he's not fast at all but people think he's fast because he had that one game against Houston you know six years ago and uh and just like watch him just like slog around and scramble for you know one yard was just abysmal to see um so going going back to the Texans here what's been your who's been your favorite Nick Casario signing so far <laughs> god Favorite Nick Casario signing. At this point, I'm just going to go with the punter. I mean, setting aside the fake, fake punt, which that's as much as the greatest play in the history of football. (laughs) That's got to be like lead contender for like NFL Follies play of the year or something if they still do that. But I mean, setting aside that derpitude, he's actually been a pretty solid punter for us. Um, You know, like that Buffalo game, he's about the only Texan that was worth his paycheck that game. So. I mean, he he pinned Buffalo deep and forced them to, like, go 85, 90 yards. Of course, Buffalo did that, but I think – what does that say when, at this point, all the signings he did, like the 30 or so free, new free agents he brought in and all the transactions, and it's the punter. 
that's probably been the most solid signing he had. I mean, or you could say re-signing John Weeks, but eh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not this. I don't like the John Weeks stuff. You know, like I don't know how you can feign enthusiasm for John Weeks. It's just very like it's very it's a lot of scum scraping. You know. Well, it's kind of like. <laughs> The idea you can find a silver lining in anything, but you're really having to dig down into the ore to see if there's a load of silver a mile deep or something. I mean, it. I, I mean, I guess in theory, the idea is you get a bunch of veterans, plucky type, and you set up the culture. But I just, honestly, if the punter's the best one we've got, I mean, well, yeah, you know, and then one or two linebackers have shown some promise, but. More often or not, you've just brought in a whole lot of Jags, you know, mm-hmm. just the guys, and they play them at that level or worse. So, yeah, I still think it was funny whenever they're like, "All right, we're going to compete this off season. We're going to compete, compete, compete," and they were like, "Yeah, we're going to compete even at the long snapper position." And they brought in that guy who to compete with John Weeks, and he got he got John Weeks got cut. And they brought him back, and he ended up winning the train camp battle, anyways this past off season. And they say that and they'd go like, Oh, but Danny Amendola, you can just have a roster spot. And Rex Burkhead, you can just have a roster spot because, you know, we like you a lot and you can teach these young players how to, you know, really prepare week in, week out and do everything you can for the team and compete, 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 you know? Yeah. Well, problem is you don't have number 12 in the backfield and uh, you ain't got Darth Belichick on the sidelines. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, there's only so much of the Patriot way you're going to recreate. And, you don't have Robert Kraft who, you know, aside from his, uh, what you could say is questioning about what he does off the field and his ownership. But when it comes to on-field ownership and other stuff, I mean, you, you're trying to recreate it, but you ain't got that triumvirate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. I think the best one though is, I mean, it's either Malik Collins or Cameron Gregor Hill. And I'm going to go with Gregor Hill just only because like my own, you know, black heart where I was like, I, he's he's a coverage linebacker who can't cover you know and uh, i didn't thought the sign was dumb at the time but like he's been a good you know sam linebacker like he reads the game well and like he jumps gaps pretty well and he's been able to tackle and make some big plays in the backfield um you know collins has been like the interior rusher probably the best interior rusher the texans have had like if we don't count jj watt like, yeah this well. like a pure like you know one three technique um probably the best one since dj reader had that really good start until Watt went down back in, you know, 2019. But he's probably the best, like, aside from that, like, four really good games that Reader had that year, probably the best one since Antonio Smith. Uh, that's been a problem the Texans have had for a long time is they don't yeah. have, like, a interior rusher who can create for other guys. And, like, he has some really, like, flashy moves, and he's able to create impacts. And, you know, all the, the like, all the penalties, you know, hitting quarterbacks the wrong way were frustrating. But, like, he's been good in that role this year, you know, and he's been – uh like worthy of the sign they have for him. But like, yeah, it's like, it's either him or came with Gregor Hill for me. And I'm going to go with Gregor Hill just because of my own you know, biases. And I was able to get some light in my heart after watching him play you know, pretty well this year. Well, I mean, you take what you can get given how this team has been. Um, and, you know, and those might be one of a couple of guys that maybe you decide to keep on after what you would expect would be an inevitable off season purges once mm-hmm. uh, the 2022 off season begins. Um, so I, and what's funny know. is like, they may have to do the same thing next year too, to field a team of 53 players. You know what I mean? Like be just because they're dead cap hits and how like the contracts are kind of messed up with Cunningham and Tunsil 
and Brandon Cooks, and and then the Watson thing as well too, with his you know forty million dollar cap hit, they may have to like just sign twenty guys to one year contracts all over again, uh, and also like depending on how many draft picks they have too. But it could be kind of like something similar again next year too. Entirely possible, although Brandon Cooks' salary is not guaranteed after next season. Well, they correct? restructured it though, so he okay. has guaranteed money next year. He went from zero guaranteed money. So now he has guaranteed money because they restructure his contract. His cap hit this year, I think, is like uh, like $6 million or so. So they could do things like sign Andre Roberts and then you know, cut him after he wasn't able to field a punt at all. So Coates had a cap hit of $5.8 million this year. Okay. And then next year jumps up to, I have here over the cap at $16.2 million. Well, I mean, if he plays like he won, if he still wants to even be here, on the team next season. Uh, if he still plays kind of like he has at this point, he might not be a bad one. Is he worth that type of cap hip? No, but you know, you have to take what you can get. And if they have mm-hmm. a modicum of talent, then it's not to be wasted. Um, that being said, I mean, you know, do you take his, whatever his personal viewpoints are like, if he sees that this team is still going to be, you know, this dumpster fire of a mess, and his career ain't getting any, you know, ain't getting any longer. And if you want, what do you think is worse than a dumpster fire? I hear dumpster, like dumpster fires and inject in my veins are kind of two things that have been driving me crazy, you know, because like, I hear all the time. And for me, it just seems like rhetoric that gets like, you know, spewed out as like an attempt to, you know, have some imagery. But like, I don't know, there has to be something worse than a dumpster fire, you know? Well, I mean, you could have different things, but again, you sometimes have to think of decorum and language. So if you had like yeah. a cluster Easter bee, you know, you probably don't want to be uttering that in like formal company. Or yeah. like a, uh, you know, like that uh, Easter bee show type thing. You, you don't want to be uttering that in like, you know, you don't want your kids saying that in class or anything. So you kind of have to find like a certain medium in between and there are worse things. I'm sure we've all seen like that one event that like good grief, like a, a major train wreck or, you know, like a, a multi-car wreck that like blocks up your commute and backs you up for two hours. I mean, we've all seen yeah. that, but yeah. And like, yeah, I get, yeah, I see what you're saying there. We can think on that. We can figure something better out than that. It's just, you hear it all the time. You're like, I, there has to be something, you know, a better way we can say it. That's not the same thing everybody else says, you know, True, but I, I think part of that does become cliche. I mean, cliches, you know, had their were really innovative at one point, but then they've become kind of rote, and you just come out and say that. But uh, and some of that's kind of a style thing too. Whatever, whatever works for your particular style of conversation or writing, whatever the case may be. But yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna have a note card here on my desk, and as they come up, I'll have uh, all the other things to say, and also like. The inject my veins thing too. It's really just off-putting, you know. With the there's a hundred thousand opioid deaths this past year, you know, injecting stuffs into your veins is anything to joke around about. It's a serious no, problem in this mean, country, and you know, it's not something that you know people should make light of, you know. And it's sometimes at various different expressions. If you take some time to just peel back the onion and figure out where those expressions come from, like you know just like inject that in my veins and be done with, well, as you're saying, opioids or there's other, obviously you don't just want to like randomly shoot stuff in your arm. Uh, And there's other expressions that you might have that may have a a bad 
literal connotation, like whether there's some sort of historic racist element to certain expressions you may have you don't think about, or if there's things like if you thought about it, it's like, wow, are you talking about self-harm? Are you, you know, just, you know, or like the one you hear something, take me out back and shoot me. What? You want to, you want someone to murder you? I mean, <laughs> so. I prefer to dig my own hole and then just bury myself in it, you know? Don't it's just, me. yeah, just, it's, at the risk of sounding like a George Carlin routine at this point, but. um yeah. I uh, I always think of that Requiem of a Dream movie though when I hear inject in my veins when he has that messed up black little arm that gets cut off, you know. Mm, that movie's nasty. It's not very <laughs> much fun. And it just like it's one of those movies too that's just like a a slow boil, you know. Or like at the end of it, you're just like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Why why did you watch this, right? <laughs> yeah. Whenever my son turns like 13 and be like, look, drugs are bad. I'm about to show you why drugs are bad. You know, here you go. <laughs> have, have a seat right here. Yeah. This is, this is why we don't inject things into our veins, you know? Yeah, please don't. Um. So are you excited for the return of the Tennessee Times football and getting David Questenberry, Kendall Lamb, Randy Bullock, Deontay Foreman, Mike Rabel, and Ben Jones? back home to to watch them play against their former team where all those guys have done had a more success you know playing in Houston or playing in Tennessee than they did in Houston are you excited to see these old friends in a, in a better place for next year see previous line about C3PO exciting is hardly the word I would use um I think it, it, it's as much an indictment on some of the on many of the Texans personnel decisions but hey sometimes Players are in one team and it just doesn't work. They go somewhere else and they find something else better for them. Um, I think for Tennessee, and granted, you know, I, I can't see myself really cheering that much for them, that whole ex-Oilers thing, whatever. But the mm-hmm. other thing with Tennessee, though, is like they, they've suffered some significant injuries, uh, particularly Derrick Henry's now out. He may be done for the season. We're kind of, you know, it's still back up and up in the air whether he comes back in time for the playoffs yeah i hope he does i hope they get the one seed so that way we can get derrick henry in the playoffs like fresh again you know if derrick henry comes back fresh in the playoffs that's going to be a certified nightmare for whoever's got a face now do i think tennessee is going to make the number one seed probably not but I, at this can, point they can though i think they can because their their schedule is just pretty easy right now and they have a pretty much a game and half advantage on buffalo who has a pretty easy schedule and uh, in New England, you know they have a game, a game and a half, a game and a half up on them as well too, because like everybody's like six and three and six and four, and that sort of thing. So the Titans, after they play Houston this week, they play New England, which you know is important for the number one seed now that New England's gone the run that they've gone on beating up on bad teams. Then they have the bye week. Then they play Jacksonville, Pittsburgh. The Steelers are crappy. They play the Niners. The Niners are crappy. Miami, Houston, like all, all the rest of their schedule is really winnable for them, you know. And the one thing that helps too is that they're three games up in the division. They have the tiebreaker against the Colts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, so, the division's locked up already. Yeah, at this point, they can start designing their AFC Championship shirts whenever they want. Um, I love those AFC. I, that's my favorite te- Texas memorabilia I have. I still have my AFC South Championship shirt from 2012 and uh, or 2011, I should say. And I was just so happy they finally won the division. Yeah. So even with the injuries they've had, I think their benefit is you know, barring like an epic collapse, which you never rule out with any team at this point, but they, they should feel at this point, then they need, they can start looking at like playoff position. Now, will there still be a one seed that I don't know. 
I mean, their defense has played better than expected, but can that still continue even with the schedule they got? That I, It's kind of like you'll have to prove it. If they do, mm-hmm. great, but I, I'm not. Place, I, but they've, like, they've been playing this weird brand of football for, like, even go back to Mike Malarkey, you know what I mean? And they just play like such a strange brand of football and it works kind of week in and week out. And they've done the same thing again this year. They just win in strange ways too. And so like, this isn't like a, like an out of nowhere team at all, you know? And so like Adrian Pearson's not good either. Uh, yeah, like Foreman's their best <laughs> running back. And, you know, Julio Jones is out for at least three weeks and Marcus Johnson played well last week for him too. And like AJ Brown is, you know, a true number one wide receiver. And they just have like a lot of fun, like pass catchers, like Ferkser and Michael Pruitt and, um, yeah, Jerry McNichols and those sort of guys too. And they saw like a lot of options on offense this year, but it's fun like to actually see their defense be, you know, DVOA good instead of just like cover seven man match, get hot and create turnovers good, you know? Well, and, and that was going to be the question coming in with them this season. I mean, they were, I kind of thought, I thought the Colts would have enough to take the division. Well, clearly that hasn't panned out, but um, you know, for Tennessee, the question was going to be, what could their defense do? Could their defense actually elevate to a better level for them? And, and to this part, it has. Um, and, and during this win streak, I mean, it hasn't just been against swag teams. They haven't seen us yet. So um, they've taken care of business against uh, some pretty legit teams. So you, you have to give them credit for that. Yeah, like I know football outsiders have projected to have the worst defense in football this year. And it looked true, you know, kind of start the year off with some of the problems that they had especially in that first week against, you know, Arizona. Uh, but, like, their front four pass rush has been, you know, great right now. Like, Jeffrey Simmons is probably, like, the – he's a top five, you know, defensive tackle in football. Autry's a really good interior rusher. Harold Landry, like, you know, a lot of edge rushing, too. It's just, like, you have to work hard. Like, T.J. Sure. Watt's, like, great at that. Like, he just works his way into sacks, too, and takes a good pass to the quarterback, like, after his first move is stopped. And, you know, you're pretty strong healthy, too. And they have, like, Ben Denny guy, and he's, like, had a couple of good pass rushes, too. Uh, the front four pass rush has been really good. And like, I'm, I'm picking against Houston primarily because of that. They're coming out with the same offensive line as last week. That was bad in the interior. And Kevin Byard's been so good at, at jumping on mistakes too. That I think like you're going to see a lot of interior pressure and then you're going to see, you know, Tyrod Taylor throwing off his back foot into you know, nonsense. And those throws against the Jacksonville were, you know, pretty fluky. And we kind of saw what happened last week. when he tried to make those same throws against Miami or two weeks ago. And so I kind of see a plan like that again uh, this week against Tennessee. Well, for Tennessee, they're kind of in a strange situation. I think, you know, if you look at some of the experts out there, uh, this possibly sets up as a little bit of a trap game for Tennessee uh, just because, you know, the line is still like 10, 10 and a half points if you care about that stuff. Yeah, uh, I think it's 10 and a half. And would you, would you pick Houston with 10 and a half or would you pick Tennessee? The problem is this game being on the road, probably not. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't I would take Tennessee to cover. Mm-hmm. Just because yeah, Tennessee our, too. our road performance has been uh, to call it suck that the Texans suck on the road would actually be a compliment. I, I just they they are so unbelievably bad on the road this year that I you know and, and granted I could see maybe the Titans sleepwalk a little bit against them and maybe that that probably would be enough against this team but um, you know it, it's just. I'll be curious to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not I, – I would be really, really shocked if the Texans made it competitive, but you never know. Yeah, I like to – do you see Adrian Peterson's first day of practice where he had that big old mound of, of chew in his mouth? 
It was beautiful. I was like, I love like Adrian Peterson's not good. And I just like, I love the idea of Peterson being there, you know, and they've had a lot of like, uh, they've had a lot, they've done that a lot too, like over the years where they take on these, you know, great players at the end of their careers and they're bad. They're like Andre Johnson and Randy Moss. And now we have Adrian Peterson there. And so the idea is fun, but, uh, you know, Foreman's far away. their best running back too. The other thing that's weird about him is like, David Questbury is good. <laughs> like he well, wasn't good in Houston. And like, he was a, like a, a really great, an admiral story, you know, coming back where he came back from to play football, but he wasn't good in Houston. And like, he was out of the league kind of last year, like on the practice squad there. And he's like actually good in Tennessee right now. And it's been one of the you know, strangest things I've seen. Well, that's probably as much a testament to, you know, his intestinal fortitude uh, and just the coaching and the, the structure of the Titans as much as it would pay me to admit, I mean, that they, they're got so some, good at, at getting offensive linemen, just like teaching them their scheme. Like we're going to run outside zone. Here's how you do it. And, and I don't know what magic Mike Munchak left on that team with the offensive line to concern, but that clearly is carried over. Uh, yeah, he's played kind of, every play a hundred percent of the snaps this year. And last year he was just like up and down from the practice squad uh, with them until he started six games for him. Yep. Yeah, I mean, so good on him, obviously. I mean, uh, but yeah, just further indictment of, you know, when you get to the Texans offensive line, which is like what we had hope. Okay. A new offensive line coach for once, Hey, this might work. And then you're seeing some of the decisions and you're like, what mm-hmm. and so, injuries? Yes. Are playing a part in it, but what, what are you guys doing? So we have rivers McCown here, uh, rivers. What's been more disappointing James Campen as the offensive line coach or Lonnie Johnson Jr. playing safety? I thought this was about the Mets. I came ready to talk about the <laughs> um, So I think they got to they claim Clint Flazier on waivers. I think that's the move right now. And, you know, you got to get a better starter after you lose center guard. Who's Clint Frazier? I don't know anybody in baseball anymore. He's like this Yankees outfielder guy who just got DFA today. Oh, yeah. The Yankees, yeah, they designated, what, three of their guys for assignment now, but... I don't know. Do you have any hope for Syndergaard in Los Angeles at all? Yeah, I do, actually. You think it was dumb to let him go for one year, 20 million? I think it was extremely dumb, but I'm not surprised either. <laughs> well, the problem is he's going to the Angels, and it's like... I, they, God, they, I hate the Angels. Well, they got they make a wonderful softball team, but <laughs> you got anybody that can pitch? Because they ain't, they ain't had any good pitching in a long time. and, and uh, I mean... Otani, notwithstanding, but they they should be a lot better than they are. And they've got the money to do it, but man, have they wasted it. Yeah, it's not a shame. No, there's not a shame. I hate the Angels. They deserve it. <laughs> it's, it's only a shame for Noah. That's all. I, I don't care about anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I hate their Disney Channel ass uniforms and aesthetics and logo and everything. It was better when they leaned into it back in the day, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like it isn't, but it is at the same time. It's like when the ducks became, or the the my ducks just became the ducks, you know. I think and the Texans like grotesque, like brown color. I think the Texans need to have like a a Raptors like logo where it's just like the the bull with like a football in its hand, and it's just like you know obscenely upset for some reason, <laughs> or maybe pooping the football out instead. <laughs> well, that's that's for on field, Matt. That's for on field. <laughs> Yeah, I think I am ready for like a, a Texans rebrand. You know, it's been, I guess, more than 20 years now. They haven't been very good, you know, recently. And 
I think the fans need something interesting, especially whenever they change the helmets now where they can have like white and red and different color helmets week to week too, you know? I guess to go back to the original question I was asked, I think Lonnie's safety play was more disappointing to me only because I never expected all that much out of James Campen. Like seeing his last couple of stops were like San Diego and he, or I'm not sure, I didn't even sure if it was San Diego or Los Angeles at that point, but they were, they were playing all that well. So I was like, well, I, this will be a lot of type, a lot, a lot of hype. And I'm sure that he'll be better than uh, the previous guy because he wouldn't be, but like, like I never was like, Oh man, this team's going to start run blocking. Like the, they've never run blocked before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's two things I understand that I guess they're my fingers that they do. That I don't get is whenever they run outside zone and they help back on the three technique. I don't know why you do that. And then whenever they run like their power or like trap or counter plays, and the front side double team, they always slide step away from the block instead of going into the block just in case there's a stunt. It's like, you know, be a professional and take an extra step and redirect it. And so you're actually working at yourself in the double teams. And I don't understand it at all, but they do that all the time. So we have the big man himself, Tim, tonight with his his glass of beer. How are you doing? How did your K Tigers do tonight? Uh, I left a little after halftime. It was uh, 28-7, and last I saw it's 40 40- Nine to seven. So the Fightins are beating the fighting Andrew Lux uh, badly. I thought Luck went to Katie. No, Luck went to Stratford. Oh, okay, gotcha. You're thinking of Andy Dalton? Yeah, Lux is. I thought they. Yeah, Andy there. Andy Dalton is is uh, the pride of Katie High School. I mean, there's so many, but uh, Andy Dalton is <laughs> the is the one uh, quarterback we've had thus far that played in the NFL. Yeah, I, when I was unless in you school, count, I think it was Bo. I think Bo Levi Mitchell may have had a cup of coffee with a team in training camp, but he went on to considerable success in the CFL. We're proud of him as well. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he was a Bill, right? I think I think you're right. Very briefly, I don't know if he ever had a snap in an NFL game, but uh, he he I think he he played and may have won a Grey Cup in uh, in the CFL. Um, for maybe Edmonton, I may be wrong. I, I, I'm they're probably going to kick me out of the alumni association for not knowing that. But um, <laughs> regardless, he uh, he was legendary in that regard. He, he Devere Posey is a poor man's Bo Levi Mitchell. Um, <laughs> Bo Levi Mitchell uh, is a champion. Uh, Devere Posey, I think what what was he that was he the Grey Cup champ MVP yeah. at one point? Yeah, Grey Cup MVP Devere Posey. Yeah. I mean. Hmm. It's fine. He didn't play at Katy High School. His his star doesn't shine as bright. It's not his fault, but it is his problem. <laughs> my my high school had John Carlson went there, and uh, he got really bald. The tight end? Now the quarterback who played for the Oilers. He went to Baylor. He backed up. Uh, Cody Carlson. Win. Yeah, Cody Carlson. Oh, John Carlson. Cody wow. Carlson. <laughs> and uh, that's bringing back some memories. And Alex Van Pelt. Commander Cody, a, man. Oh. Yeah, he, he was there and like 94. So his pictures on the wall. And uh, and he was really bald whenever I watched his Oilers games. Like that guy, I don't know who that guy is. And then Alex Van Pelt, who's now an offensive coordinator, I think somewhere in the, I think in the AFC East, I think. Uh, he's uh, out there Alex somewhere. Van Pelt was a product. Alex, was the Browns. Was a, Alex Van Browns Pelt was a San Antonio product? Yeah, he went to Churchill High School. I did not know that. I did not know that for for a little while. And then he's the one that went to, did he go to Colorado state or am I mixing up my Van Pelts? That was Bradley. (laughs) Bradley went to, did one of them go to Washington state? I don't think so. I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm mixing up the pelt. So, look, look it, the thing is, it won't be even it, at best. It's the second most embarrassing thing said about Churchill quarterbacks when he after Weston called Cody Carlson John Carlson. <laughs> Who's John Carlson? The Seahawks tight end. I that think he was a end. tight end for the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah it's all yeah. Like, it's I mean, all the same. Cody Carlson, <laughs> but but to be fair, Weston, I don't know. You probably weren't born when, or maybe you were just born when Cody Carlson made his impact with the Oilers. When, or maybe you were just born. Yeah, I think something Cody like that. Cody Carlson made his impact. With I think you're. I think you have an echo going that. Yeah, I think Cody Carlson made his impact. I think you're. Yeah, I think. All right, we'll see if we can get that figured out. Um, so, Tim, what's been the most important, most disappointing part of the Texan season? Has it been the offensive line? Has it been Nick Casario's free agent acquisitions? Has it been the restructures? Has it been uh, Tyra Taylor's performance against the Miami Dolphins, where they scored nine points after five turnovers for us? What's been the most disappointing part of the season? You know, I probably wouldn't have said this first, but I think you probably nailed it because I think in real time we all kind of thought it. I think the restructures were probably the worst because they were totally unnecessary and they didn't do anything to help the team this year. And I think probably as we look back on it, it'll be even more egregious. I mean, they restructured Shaq Lawson's contract and then shipped him out. They restructured uh, Zach Cunningham's contract, I think. He's still here. They restructured Whitney Merciless when there was absolutely no reason to do so. They ended up cutting him. I think probably the restructures as we sit here today would, would have to be considered the most egregious part, you know, if, uh, unless we get past, uh, assuming we get past the idea of um, uh, the Texans keeping Jack Easterby employed. Mm-hmm. I, I think probably, I would say, prob- I really think as, as I kind of sit down and think about it, because we all knew this year would be bad, but the restructures were a completely unforced error that at the time everyone said, what are you doing? Why would you try to kick the can down the road? It didn't make any sense at the time, and I think in retrospect it's somehow even gotten worse. Well, you you, know, you have to do what you can do to sign Kevin Pierre-Lewis, you know, and Andre Roberts. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I get it. Look, um, if you have the opportunity to sign 19 veteran running backs to one-year deals, you got to do it, and you got to find the money to do it. So um, – it makes sense to go ahead and restructure Whitney Merciless's contract, even though everyone and their mother knew that this would be his last year with the Texans. Uh, at once, once we came to grips with the fact that they weren't going to cut him last offseason. Yeah, his dead cap hit next year is $7 million for Whitney Merciless. One of the. And completely 100% unnecessary. <laughs> Yeah, I I blame David Johnson because I think if memory breaking. serves, if if they hadn't restructured, if they hadn't restructured, did he would they have owed any money next year on him? They would have saved money next year on him. They would have saved like five, like five or six million dollars if they just Good. waited a year and cut him. Yeah, but they would have paid yeah, like it's only money. This Why year? worry about a salary cap? <laughs> yeah, I think Brendan Scarlett oh. breaking that or uh, David Johnson breaking that tackle on Brendan Scarlett opened a portal to hell. Because we saw Whitney Merciless get that sack against Dwayne Brown last weekend. I was like, there, there's just some dark things happening now. And then Whitney uh, suffered a season-ending injury. Mm-hmm. Yep. Extended curse of the Texans at this point. Even the Texans alumni are suffering. I mean, Watts out for a while. Merciless out. Hopkins is injured. So, 
Yeah, I can't right? believe Watt got, got hurt swimming, yeah, the swimming over thing. Uh, Max Schultz. I think it was, he got, no, he got hurt swimming over Justin McCray make a tackle for a loss and tore his whole arm up. I thought I, if I'm, I thought that Watt had gotten past and was chasing and basically just hit the ground wrong, and that mm-hmm. was what blew out his arm or his shoulder. I think he I think he'd beaten whoever they needed to beat. He was just in pursuit and basically just hit the ground wrong. Okay, I thought it was whenever he went and swam over him because then they were saying like he had some injuries or so sometime around that, but maybe on the dive as well too. I like the idea. Yeah, I like th- the at idea. least at least after after they announced was out and people were trying to figure out when he got hurt i think i think they broke and who knows if it was or not i remember seeing the coverage after the fact that uh people or at least the the, the talking head saying that on this play you can see jj basically i fall down on his shoulder on his arm and that that was what ended it so what, what about you pat what's been the most disappointing part of the season I haven't been disappointed at all, to be honest with you. It's been wonderful. <laughs> to see, I think the problem is y'all are thinking of this in terms of win- losing being a disappointment. I'm just looking for entertainment at this point. And so far, they have not disappointed me in that respect. You just have to change what you're expecting for them to be entertaining from as. If you see them throw a 28-yard punt, like a an arm punt gets returned for a touchdown, that's funny. You see, you see, I don't know, Justin Reed get put out for kicker instead of uh, Kaimi Long name because he can't hit a two yard field goal anymore. That's funny. So I mean, all I'm looking for is a good show. Now wins, losses, they mean nothing anymore. They didn't mean anything all season. I just want to free. I just want a couple of laughs. Is that so much to ask? Well, I, in some respects, you get a few of them, but they're a little more few and far between. It's just kind of the. It's been more like boring beatdowns, unfortunately, and, and there's the potential. But it, it's if they were just like blatantly bad, funny, like the seventy-six bucks or something, then yeah, it'd be beyond hilarious. But it's just been like more boring and painful than you'd want. I mean, if, if there was like comedy of errors or the plucky fighters, I mean, yeah, go for it. But it's just been boring suck. Yeah. The last couple have really been real snoozes and that's kind of what, that's the only thing I've been really, if there's anything to be disappointed about, it's that it's, if they're going to lose, at least amuse me. Don't be yeah, like, lose or nothing. And then just, you know, like go three and out every possession, do something different. Mm-hmm. If you're going to suck, suck original. Yeah, that's a good summation of the Davis Mills era. Uh, pretty well right there. There's some inherent humor in what the Texans have been doing as a franchise. Uh, just as, as like, you know, the David Kelly blaming things on penalties sort of way. Like, like they're, they're trying so hard to not be a meme at that point. But then eventually we all know this, they're actually a meme and it's okay. What's been your favorite uh, t- Texans meme so far, Rivers? Um, the punt off of the gunner's head. That's an all-time play in franchise history. I like. I want a picture of it. I want it signed by uh, Cameron Johnston. Can we make that happen? I think that's going to be the, the most valued NFT this team's going to have at some point here. <laughs> yeah, I want the fake, fake punt NFT. That's what I want. The great thing about, and he's actually one of the guys who's been 
okay. Like, like it's actually been worth going after. <laughs> and he's the one with that moment just branded on him forever. Cameron Johnson right. has been one of the have been has been one of the five best performing Texans all year, and I don't think it's yep. close. Yep. I love the the clip you pulled Rivers of the special teams coordinator discussing that play. And it's just like the most Texan speak, you know, nonsensical <laughs> yes. answer I've ever heard in my entire life. Just say you screwed up, dude. Frank Ross refuses to uh, engage in media talk and speculation about things. <laughs> He's only Ross, here to tell you about how hyped up he is for his job and how the culture is going to make everybody better. <laughs> oh, boy. You said the C word. Dead gummit. Rich, delicious culture. <laughs> yep. I like the Tim Kelly answer too about Tyus Howard left guard, how the analytics may show he's bad there, but he's our best offensive line by far. Yeah, the analytics. Uh, which analytics? I really, know. I don't under. I, I don't understand. I mean, I've never understood moving him to left guard. I really don't understand it after Cannon got hurt. At this point, I think it's mostly just stubborn to refuse to, to admit that they made a mistake because he's not a good guard. It's not like they're getting quality right tackle play. There is zero reason to leave him at left guard aside from not wanting to admit that you made a mistake. You know who'd be a good guard? Jeff Crystal. <laughs> at this point, don't give it time. He may get there. That's that's right. Let's talk about this. Let's see what happens on December 12th when the Seahawks come to town. He may be their left you- guard by then. And you're talking you're talking about Cody Carlson, John Carlson. It's an easy mistake to make when you're used to Jeff Driscoll in your life, switching positions from quarterback to tight end. It's it's, it's very common, Tim. Very common. But he's a rare athlete, Rivers. I mean, what oh, you would be a fool not to put him at tight end. Just traits busting off the page. They saw Logan Thomas. Uh, they finally caught up to Logan Thomas's film. You know, sometime this year, like we can do the same thing with Jeff Driscoll. Look at this guy's butt. He can do the same thing. There's no, there's no way they've ever watched uh, Logan Thomas play football. Thomas, I'm sorry. Logan Thomas, I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> Logan Thomas was a quarterback at Virginia Tech. Was it? Is it fair to say that was six or seven years ago? Sure. He, he played for was it was Arizona or Dent? No, it was Arizona. He had that one throw against Denver. It's like, why did you throw it? And it turned out to be like a highlight He's, completion. That's that's like the only highlight I can think of for that guy. Period. Right. And he had that uh, block. That's right. I think he was an undrafted tonight. rookie free agent as a quarterback. He was a yeah, fourth I, round I think he was an undrafted rookie free agent as a quarterback. No one drafted him out of Vautech. Fourth round twenty four. Okay. And it took him. I mean, I, he, he's. I think we. I, I, yeah, I think you'd say he's probably a, a good tight end now, but he's been a tight end for several years and was not good. So the idea of moving Jeff Driscoll now to tight end is, it, I mean, it's it's ludicrous on its face, but it's even stupider when you try to put it into context. And it's like Tim Tebow light here. I mean, if you want to like Florida quarterbacks who go to the NFL, yeah. start quarterback, you want to convert. It's like um, they tried that with the guy that was far better and, and that didn't work. So you expect this to work? Sure. No. Well, and also I understand too because it, Holly it's, it's, just, it's absurd on every level. Yeah, and also Holly Warren's just sitting in Buffalo's <laughs> practice. Oh like, God! Like, why are they doing? Are we on? He's right there. Layers. Give get some of those layers off him. You know, let those let those pecs shine what? a little bit. He's West, I want I want to go ahead and make this point. Do you realize how bad Kahali Warren must be? 
that he could not make the 53-man roster on this shit team. They're biased for Anthony Alclair, you know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he I'm sorry, was, my brain he was third round pick. <laughs> I think he has four catches in his career. Four. Two of them are first downs, though, I think. <laughs> you, you'll have all the stats and all the analytics for him at this point. I'm not, oh, I'm not surprised. You still no Chad Hansen's all I'm saying. The woke mob came from Kahale, and that's all <laughs> He was too. He was too hot. They couldn't have him in this Puritan landscape that Texas play football in. I'm sure he's in some pro water polo league. You can check in on at that point. So uh, it's too cold up there for him. He needs to come back home. Okay. Yeah, it's it's fine though. The it's 19 draft rings. class, none of them are left except for Ty's Howard, Sharping, and Johnson Jr. Um, Rivers, do you think Johnson Jr. and Sharping are make it back next year, or do you think both or either of them are going to be cut? You know, every time I try to think about this team's future, I find that I don't care. So that's my answer. I don't care. <laughs> Fine. Unreasonable <laughs> position to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the only thing that we found this season for something for the future is Jonathan Greenard could be like the fourth best player on a good front seven. He could be the third best player, I believe. He could be your but new yeah. Whitney Merciless. Yeah, you know, maybe it's something. Thing. It's not much, but it's something. Yeah, I think, but I think it's the only thing, only good thing we learned. It's something. Yeah. I mean, if this team doesn't care about its own future, why should I? Really? It, I mean, it, it's, it's it's at this point, it's just hey, Deshaun Watson will get traded at some point. We will get some picks, and that's it. That's all we got. Have any of y'all watched much like college? I, stuff? I think that's fair to say in terms of a depth. It, I mean, I watch I watch Texas play every week, which is basically just set, I get kicked in the balls twice every weekend, <laughs> once on Saturday and once on Sunday. That's so, what, hey, that's why God gave you too. I, I can't. Yeah, really like, you have my games. <laughs> it, it's okay, Tim. Once Bill O'Brien becomes head coach, he'll fix everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would the be better is, off with O'Brien too. That won't happen. He, he won't be he won't be the immediate hire because I don't think no, Texas we wants to not. do another Alabama offensive coordinator. I think we will have yet. a break. Not yet. No, you'll have the UT would be thankful for no. For O'Brien uh, look, O'Brien, time. they need him. No, 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 no. It would be a would good be thankful thing for him. No, <laughs> I, my question is, my question is whether O'Brien, my question is whether O'Brien leaves Alabama after this year for a, for a college head coaching job, or he stays one more year. Oh God, he's going to be a Washington head coach, isn't he? I'm going to have to put up with him up here, aren't I? <laughs> well, he might. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I, you know, Washington. No, uh, if USC upset. swings and misses at a few place, a few people, he could be there. Oh no! <laughs> done with him. I, 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 no, I think it's. I think. I think he'd be. In, and depending on who goes to LSU, I don't think he'll be the LSU head coach. But depending on who gets the LSU job, he could conceivably replace a sitting head coach at that school. So I, I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at all surprised. I, but he has not. I, I think we're obviously all biased, but I, I think objectively, his run so far at Alabama has not been great. Uh, it doesn't mean he won't he won't, as you said, Scott, if he won't be the next Alabama offensive coordinator. It's not a head coach somewhere, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there's if he was there one more year. It also wouldn't surprise me if he if he springboarded to another job. Well, the thing with 
O'Brien, as bad as he was as GM, who's going to go down as one of the top 10 worst GMs of all time. That's just reaffirmed day top by day 10. here. But right. if you looked at his time, particularly when he was at Penn State and as a college coach there, you know, someone's going to kick the tires on him, at least from a college program, whether it's this year or next year. I, I He'll be back on the sidelines yep. somewhere. I don't know where exactly, but somebody's going to hire him. I, I want to get back to above 500 per year. I want to be clear that this is all speculation. But when I see Mel Tucker get offered $95 million over 10 years, my mind immediately jumps to like, Bill O'Brien's got to be number two in the running for this job, right? That's the only way you could be that desperate. You're just like, here's $95 million, please stay. We don't want Bill O'Brien. I can't see Bill O'Brien going to Michigan State. I, I don't see – he's been in the Big Ten, but Michigan State, that that's not his program, I think. Who is this guy? Who's Mel Tucker? He's the head coach at Michigan State. He's been there okay. two years. Last year they were bad. Well, this year they're tolerable. Not there anymore. That, yeah, yeah built, canned a couple years back. Got fired, uh, or he okay. quit. Hmm. There was something about it. I can't remember. You need, if it to, was... you need to get more with. You need to get into more college football, West. It's the uh, the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners have a hell of a team. I went to one game. They're the pride there. of Texas at this point. If we, I went hey, to, I went to Texas State UTSA. Uh-huh, game. The University of Houston is still, you know, they're playing their championship game. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we, and we have we have Houston Houdini, Matt Robinson in here now. UTSA, I think, undefeated, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Conference. They USA. still are. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's his birthday. The Alamo Dome's insane, though. It's just like a fallout shelter. It's just like concrete, and it's just soulless, and and it's insane. The Spurs ever played in there as well, too. But I went yes. to a, a Texas State UTSA game a few years ago, and we just I just smoked out my friend my friend's vape, and we just drank like four chiladas, and it was fun, you know. <laughs> The game wasn't very good. It was like kind of damp in there too the whole time. But I'm glad they're undefeated right now. I watched the Spurs Magic game at the Alamo Dome, and Penny Hardaway got ejected. This is your Alamo Dome moment. Did you were the did you do you remember the curtains they had in there? I, I do yep. remember the curtains. They yeah. had those enormous oh, yeah. red curtains that split half because the stadium was too big for basketball. Yep, mm-hmm. it's crazy. So so Matt, have you found who? So the Texans next year. Let's say they draft. First overall, who are they taking at that point? Uh, the way things stand right now, it seems almost as a lock that Kayvon Thibodeau would be the first pick off the board. If they're drafting first overall, put money on it, more than likely that would be the guy. It would be uh, like almost like a, like a clowny uh, Mario Williams situation where he's just clear cut. Everybody's going to essentially pure pressure the guy into it. Do you know anything at all about the the draft next year, Rivers? Are you are you in on the Kelvin Thibodeau train? I mean, I've been perusing some some stuff, but I haven't been like deep diving anything now. I kind of feel like Aiden Hutchinson's going to be the guy they pick, the Michigan edge rusher. I just think that he they they, they kind of already have inroads there with Nico, and they're just you know they're they're always all about that culture, and I think that he's kind of a guy that they will pump up in that vein. "Quote unquote culture fit, absolutely fits it to a T. You can tell he just chews on nails for breakfast. Yep. Definitely a Casario guy. Yeah, I haven't watched any, anything yet at all. I'm just kind of like just trade down gets me picks as possible. You know, there's just so many holes across the entire team, um, and like that's kind of the only one of the downsides about this season. Where as bad as they are, there isn't like a you can't really root for the tank because there isn't a clear number one pick really to root for at all. No. You know, it's not like Trevor Lawrence is there, Joe Burrow's there, or." 
you know, like anybody there, it's like, I guess you can pick one out of, you know, four or five of these guys, number one overall, and you feel pretty okay about it, you know? One of the only moments I'm hoping to see for the rest of the season is if at some point they actually have to go say, well, we're going to go to Davis Mills and we're going to try to, you know, play, play a little bit for the future here. And then we're just going to have to talk to them about, hey, why did you waste 15 weeks of our lives? And I just want to see the answers. That's all. I mean, I don't think we're going to get anything like enormously entertaining out of it, but it's going to be funny. And that's all I care about at this point. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. The Mills thing, like he's thrown five routes this year. And, and like, it's like the funniest play was that Ramsey near pick where it's like, oh, I know exactly what it is. It's this quick boot and they're going to run an out route to it. And like, it's covered. Mills is like, well, I don't know how to throw anything else. So I'm going to throw this anyways here too. But like, yeah. he's thrown five routes and I understand, like, I wonder how bad he is in practice. Like, I wish we could have got some of the reports of like some Matt Khalil-esque, you know, Davis Mills is so bad in practice today that this and this is occurring right now. Because that's what makes sense to me to be for the offense to be as like, basic as it was with him in there this year well, yeah. it wasn't like granted it was early in training camp so i mean nobody looks great at that point but like he was apparently like the a pick machine like you know vernon hardgraves was picking things off john reed was picking off it's like what defensive back didn't get interception off mills in practice so well, one of my favorite parts of the season was with that i think that was a saturday practice that happened when he started throwing all of those picks at once and then they had john harris go on in-house radio and, and be like oh that could have happened to anybody and then like he was after the what was it the patriots game where he actually threw some touchdowns he just got in there like so defiant like those people who wrote davis mills off are gonna be sorry man it's it's it's, it's a shame that people just jump on this media narrative and i'm just like cracking up. i'm like come on really we're gonna do this about davis mills who like never throws downfield okay okay good job buddy believe he could be decent and, yeah and that's like the one thing he was good in college is throwing vertical routes in the sideline they're like we're not doing that we're okay nah. we're not even gonna try it all maybe if, you, by maybe if he scrambles out of the pocket and like on accident sees one sure go ahead at that point but not in <laughs> not in our base off no no little little too risky uh, tim are you excited to watch tyrod taylor and davis mills running back next year no <laughs> are you excited about anything at all next year no <laughs> um I, i'm 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 uh intrigued to see what casario gets for deshaun watson i'm uh curious and a little bit scared about what he will do because I, I do think he's going to get a pr- i still think probably deshaun ends up in miami um, cause I don't think he'll go to, to Philly. The giants are, are a very intriguing possibility if they'll pull the trigger because of the picks they have, like you've written, but I still think Deshaun ends up in Miami. And then I'm a little bit curious as to if you're uh, Nick Casario and let's say the Texans pick two or three and they get the dolphins pick and that's say between six and eight, I'm curious as to whether, because they have those two top 10 picks, whether Casario would necessarily draft a quarterback with one of those picks. Um, whether it's whether it's uh, Willis, whether it's Corral, whether it's uh, you know one of these other guys, I don't know. I'm I'm even more scared by the idea of them saying that Davis Mills showed enough to be a promising possibility for year two uh, of the Casario regime, and I think that's definitely on the table. Even though he hasn't, I think that they can easily talk themselves into it. So to answer your question, I'm I'm not excited about this year. I'm not excited about next year, but next year I'm also terrified. Yeah, I think if I drank 35 beers, I still couldn't talk myself in Davis Mills next year. <sighs> yeah, there's this whole, this whole damn jar to get 
to even consider the idea of Davis Mills next year. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't get it. You know, I, I really don't get it. Matt, let me ask you, because I know you're a draft, Nick. Out of the quarterbacks that you've watched so far, do you think any of these guys are worth a top 10 pick? Uh. So my favorite phrase is that if uh, Blake Bortles is worth a top 10 pick, then shoot, you, know, you can throw it at anybody, anybody and just is. say you sure. believe him. And sure, yeah. Uh, but in all honesty, like, no, technically, yeah. uh, the, the best guy is Corral, but even he has, like, a lot of one-trick pony, one-year wonder concerns right. with him. Malik Willis, his only calling card is really athleticism, and he's, mm -hmm. I believe he's, he's a senior, if not a redshirt uh, junior. So he's, he's been there a while to work on this stuff. Uh, yeah, he Willis didn't Willis transfer from Auburn? Am I yep. right about that? Yep, Auburn. Yeah. They yeah. cut off a little bit. Yeah, I, I think Willis transferred from Auburn. Um, yes. And he, it's because he couldn't – did he not he, – he wasn't able to beat out Bo Nix? Exactly, yeah. And so went to a fresh uh, – with Hugh Freeze, of all people, to guide him along the way. Uh, yeah. And, and, and these are the best of the bunch, and a lot of them would be uh, along the lines of, like, somewhere between – you know, a Trey Lance, Mac Jones, uh, and Kellen Mond in terms of just de developmental, like, ooh, they're nice kind of guys. Yeah. Oh, and God. Kellen. And so when you bring up uh, uh, Davis Mills starting again this year, uh, I mean, if, if he came out in this draft, he'd probably be in an early second round discussion, more than likely, oh, based on what I've seen. Yeah. And oh, that, that's Christ. the tier that we're looking at. Like, So let me ask it this way to kind of clear it up for myself and, and frankly, almost ensure I'm going to be nauseous in April. Uh, Davis Mills, you, do you think Davis Mills, after one year in the NFL, is a better starting quarterback prospect than Malik Willis or Matt Corral? No, hands down, no. Okay. Because they, they at least offer something on the table from like a threshold of just better athletic ability, better movers of the football at the very least. Whereas uh, Davis Mills is just, you know, a very nice robot quarterback and mm -hmm. do what you do. I'm not even sure if you can do what you tell them, honestly, but they at least provide some form, some illusion of upside, which is nice. So if you, assuming there wasn't such a thing as position scarcity and I, you know, put, put the absurdity of that aside, objectively, do you think that Malik Willis or Matt Corral in a perfect world where you're actually valuing skill above everything else is worth a first round pick? If you, if the organization made a commitment to build entirely around their skill sets to maximize their strengths and sort of hide their weaknesses, just revamp their offense around it. Sure. Yeah. I can, I can definitely buy into that. Although you, you definitely have to temper some expectations. Okay. I, I think, I mean, do you, would, would, would any of you guys be excited about either of those guys being taken by the Texans with a top 15 pick in April? I don't know if really any quarterback this year and some others can have better inputs is really an obvious top 15 guy like you look at all the mock drafts and take them for what they're worth but most of, you're not really seeing a quarterback pop up until like 10 15 to begin with so i and quarterbacks get grossly overvalued at times in the draft particularly the last couple of years so i i don't know if the texans end up with like the two or three pick and they draft one of those guys that I, I guess but i i don't know I, I'm not that wouldn't exactly excite me very much. I would be excited in the sense that it would be somebody who actually has enough talent to play quarterback, which is something that we don't have on the roster right now. But I don't think I could like justify it in my head going going in the top ten 
for any of these guys. When I watched Matt Corral play, and this is this is a very unfair comparison because of off-field stuff, but he reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I can see that. I definitely yeah. can understand that. Wow. Yep. Oh. We're, we're getting some low blows in tonight. That, that's awesome. Oh, God, Rivers. You just oh. – <laughs> Tim, you might need another beer to dull the pain. Uh, I, I do. A... I'm going to turn the camera off and go get another beer. I'm just <laughs> sad. I'm moonshine instead. I, I probably just need to switch to Everclear. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, right here for you. <laughs> I mean, I think if they were able to trade down you know, from one of those Watson picks or if they had like a, a fifth or sixth overall pick and then got one of those quarterbacks like, you know, 12th or 14th or something – and got one or two extra first-round picks in the future, that would be the end of the world. That's kind of just like, none of the veteran quarterbacks maybe next year seem interesting at all. Like, I know we've joked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo, but it's definitely in play. Oh, it's and happening. Then, it's happening. it's like, what, what do you want? Do you want Jimmy Garoppolo or do you want Matt Corral? Like, I'd rather watch Matt Corral, you know, even if it may sum back like, a year or two, you know. I think Jimmy Garoppolo might have priced himself out of the Texans by playing too well. <laughs> like, 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 my my whole projection for this was based on like, oh, well, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to stink. The 49ers are kind of bad, so what will happen is, at the end of the year, he'll be looking for a new place finally. And uh, the only people who really love him are in Texas. But, but I think, yeah, I think he might just find somebody in a better situation who likes him more at this point. But he wouldn't even be a culture fit either, because I mean, you figure Jimmy Garoppolo has a history of hanging out with. Uh, Ladies of the adult entertainment industries. I don't think I think um, I think His Holiness Pope Jack Easterby would not be too thrilled with having him on the roster. Well, he did, he disavowed that date after that first one. He realized, oh wait, oh okay, I'll I'll leave. But then of course, he says that many times his ACL, and she gets like her comic revenge. So I I don't know, but. Well, I mean, the good thing about the faith is that all you have to do is just ask for forgiveness, and you're forgiven. So. That's all Garoppolo have to do with Jack Eastby, you know. Just ask for forgiveness, and he's back there again. I think one like there's been a lot of disappointing things about the season, but I think how bad Trey Lance has been in San Francisco has definitely been one of them. He's like a baby deer, you know. Like he can't break any tackles. He's not elusive at all. Uh, he doesn't like run through anybody. He's been awful. I don't trust Shanahan as a personnel guy. I think that's the main problem here. I think mm-hmm. that the GM and Shanahan have different objective goals and that's why you see things like we're starting eli mitchell for the entire season even though we drafted trey sermon in the third round it makes no sense and i understand where shanahan's coming from and like yeah he's running eli runs really fast in the straight line but nobody would ever look at those two players and be like yeah uh definitely give me eli mitchell this is just the way that he's kind of baked it to be, and so I don't I don't hold it against Lance that much, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's disappointing that he couldn't get on the on the field. Yeah, I thought there's some like comparisons of him, like RG three, you know, playing in his rookie year with Shanahan, you know, way back in Washington those years ago, or just like playing like a a repass option, play action, you know, deep pass offense, but he just can't run at all. You know, I didn't realize he was that bad of a runner. It's been kind of sad watching some of the scrambles and that sort of thing. I don't know that San Francisco knew he was that bad of a runner, um, because I think I, I, I think everybody's been surprised by how 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 poor he is running the football. Because if if they'd known that, there's no way they're taking him third overall. Yeah, um, that was supposed to be the dimension that he had that none of the other guys had, and it's it, I've been blown away. I don't think he's been put in a position to succeed uh, in San Francisco thus far. 
But, I mean, hey, if this ends up with Kyle Shanahan being the head coach of your Houston Texans in a year or two, sign me the hell up. I fully believe that Shanahan wanted Mac Jones and was overruled by, by GM and other personnel staff. Hmm. Okay. Well, I well, believe that, again, honestly. If, if Shanahan's here in a year or two, uh, I'm on board. Whatever happens in San Francisco to make that happen, I'm, I'm good with. Not that Shanahan's necessarily going to cover himself in glory here, but I'd be willing to take the shot on him as opposed to pretty much any other sitting head coach that we'd have a reasonable shot at. Well, that's only after Josh McDaniels ghosts us two straight seasons. So, yes, I know you yes. want him anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the whole. The, uh, I'm just getting sad thinking about it <laughs> again. Pat, I mean, I mean, this this is what this podcast is, right? This is just like us being sad. Rivers. Rivers, you have shaken me to my core with the Matt Corral is Johnny Manziel comparison. (laughs) Like, that's going to haunt my dreams. The difference, Tim, is that Manziel has first drink at 8.30 a.m. and Corral does at 3.30 p.m. So it's a big improvement. Oh, man. Kind of intrigued by Matt Corral. Twist twist that in there, yeah. No, I'm not. Say, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that he's going to end up like Johnny Manziel. I'm just saying his prospects are similar. They have similar I, play styles. I still think Manziel been interesting in the pros if he wasn't, you know, uh, all of the off-field stuff. You know what I mean? Like he was like very interesting. He had a great arm and the mobility and everything else. I think just whenever he was back having to back up others, like I don't care. I'm gonna get drunk instead. You know. For, for what it's worth, I I, I don't want to say no for a fact, but uh, sources tell me. That Johnny Manziel was Bill O'Brien's second favorite quarterback prospect in that 2014 draft. He was number uh, one. Bortles. Blake Bortles was number one. God. Bortles <laughs> was one. Manziel was two. Bridgewater was a very, very distant third. But wasn't it uh, Bortles? I think had outplayed O'Brien when O'Brien was coaching at Penn State, if I remember right. In Correct. Yeah. When he was at uh, UCF. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's and probably why O'Brien. Would have thought he had that. the stamp of approval from George O'Leary, who um, O'Brien knew. Yep. Um, Georgia Tech. There was something. a lot of intrigue back then as to what the Texans were going to do to the point that uh, the, the Falcons were very interested in trading up to number one overall to take Clowney, but they weren't willing to pay. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, Rick Smith wanted one more second rounder that year, or maybe it was the next, and it ended up being a deal breaker. The the Falcons wouldn't pay it, but the idea was if the Texans were going to trade back, I think the Falcons were picking fourth or fifth that year. If the Texans had traded back at that point, the idea was they were either going to take Blake Bortles or Khalil Mack, whoever was there. And that Atlanta took Jake Matthews that draft, right? They did. They did. They did. But they wanted to move up number to number one to to take Clowney. Um, hmm. Pat, what do you think are the chances that David Cole is the coach next year? Um, I'd say pretty good. Mostly because I think they don't care as long as he's, you know, the Chiefs vibes coordinator. And honestly, good for him, too. He should bring every penny and get out of that pig-brained idiot. Because <laughs> he has the job that we honestly, I think we all want. The low stakes, high reward, Something that a job that you don't have to work too hard at, that you know you're going to get fired at, so you might as well even bother working too hard at it. And 
it's not like you're fa- like facing any serious stakes. So it's like, what's the? There's no chance of you getting. I think I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> you earned it. You earned it. You earned it with your uh, with your uh, Jack yes. Easterby post today. Yep. You yes, earned thank it. Thank you. Drink, drink the pickle juice. You're fine. <laughs> um, I think – look, it's like we've said all along. Cully took the job, and, and I'm sure on some level he thought he would succeed here, but I think everyone that, that was that surrounded it knew it was sort of a golden parachute. You're going to come here, and you're going to get fired in two, to, two years, maybe three if things don't go as quickly as we want, and uh, you're going to get paid. I, I, I'm, I've heard he's got a five-year deal at $3 million a year, so he's going to get paid $15 million to basically – uh, field some shrapnel for a year or two. The thing that's crazy to me is, and I know we've kind of touched on this on the site as well, I always thought there was no chance he'd get fired after the first year, but I think they've been so wretched this year that that, that it's absolutely on the table. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that too. And like, yeah, I don't, I, like, the, I mean, it's I just get been that, excusable. But... I was just saying, it's been inexcusable some of the mistakes he's made this year. Yeah. You know, where it's like, I mean, that, that call against uh, Cleveland to turn down the penalty was the dumbest call I've ever seen head coach ever make. You know? <laughs> and like, and then even the the funniest thing about it too is that his reply to is like, in hindsight, I should have missed. It's like you shouldn't have done that either. You should decline. You should accept the offsides penalty and gone for on fourth and six. You crazy bastard. But yeah, I mean, I think it's at the point where like he's been so bad and the mistakes have been so egregious that you know the door is definitely definitely open for him to be fired after this year. I think it's a coin toss. Though. I think it's half and half, but at least he has the money now to, you know, build a really nice new scoreboard for the Sparta Tennessee High School. After this Sparta season, Tennessee High the School. Yeah, David Cully Field. That's exactly right. God of bless course. him. I'm happy for him. But yeah, put his name on the marquee in the front of the school. God bless him. That's awesome. But again, that presumes that they care. They did. They hired him because I don't think they cared. They know that they're going to suck. They're going to suck next year. So you might as well keep the same guy because God knows what you're going to have to pay the next guy. And then you're on the hook for the rest of Cully's contract, too. You want to do that if you're Calvin there? And, I mean, if you're Calvin there, you probably don't know what you probably don't notice where the money's coming from anyway. So who the hell cares? Well, yeah. But honestly, why would you? Oh, it's. I think we're stuck with him for at least one I, more year. I don't think the Texans know that they're going to suck next year. Or they, they don't, they don't want to face the possibility. Too. They feel like they can get that massive rebuild. Worst to first. Take your pick. But, um, yeah, the talent and some of the other moves, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they get that divine miracle that finally hits and Easterby finally gets his prayers answered for the team or something. But, I, uh, yeah. Maybe they'll just come up with, like, a chief vibes coordinator. Then he'll then keep him around for another couple of years. Yeah. That would make me happy. I mean, just yeah. as long as he's employed and stealing money from Calvin here, I'm fine. <laughs> they, they, may, they may keep him and, like, sacrifice Tim Kelly, especially since Watson's gone, because the whole reason they kept Kelly was because he was under contract and they wanted to try to do a half-assed way to appease Watson before all the criminal stuff came out. So they may sacrifice Tim Kelly and keep Kelly – you know, then at that point, it becomes a question of, you know, what week during the 2022 season does Cully get fired? Because it seems incomprehensible to me at this point that he'd make it through two full years here. Yeah, but I'd rather look, watch him. Talking about a team that has a track record. Lovey's the replacement. That was going to be my hypothetical. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather yeah, watch David Cully than Lovey Smith, though. 
You talk about this as though irrational, though. We're dealing with a team that does not deal with rationality. Right. So You're right. we can assume that they're going to do the rational thing and fire Cully. We can only assume that they're going to do something like sign into a lifetime contract because that's what people would expect us to do, and then we're going to do the opposite. Only, right. only if the top Patriots assistant prospect is not available will they look at that option. Oh, God damn it. Well, they're like a sorry. I just got to be the divorce of reality here. I know, I know. I just hate. We're we're free thinkers. We're rebels. We (laughs) we question everything. I like my own fantasy with the Kalumpas and everything. Is that Gerard Mayo's entrance music? I'm pretty sure. Oh, oh no. I like that. Get the hell out of here! Oh no, No, we're gonna start with Matt Patricia first. Oh no. I've been told we had. I've been told that Mayo's interview here was really bad. By the way. I believe that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he wasn't though up with Cully. We've read we've read though that he apparently uh slayed it in other interviews. Was it the Eagles and maybe one other that that he went from sort of a a guy that they were just talking to to a legitimate contender? <laughs> I love that we're talking about this like it matters. I mean, look, if you had to tell me, if you had to give me three names for who you think the next Houston Texans head coach is, not interim, Jared Mayo, Gerard Mayo's on that list. Yeah, and that's I mean, true. it's Josh oh. McCown, it's Gerard Mayo, and I don't know. Pat um, Hamilton, question mark? Pat Hamilton. No, you put fair. that out there. It's, it's fair. <laughs> It's fair. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dismiss it at all. As bad as the offense has been, I wouldn't dismiss it. I mean, I think all. I think that's a legit candidate. Like, I mean, t- you guys tell me who do you legitimately think is the next Texans head coach after David Cullen? Remove the interim stuff. Like the next permanent hire they make. I don't honestly. It came out there because our pig brain owner might hear it and think, "Oh, that's a good idea." Calvin Cal- watched this pal. podcast. Not after you, you dressed, Not that. after. Not after you photoshopped him as an Oompa Loompa. Uh, it ain't. He, <laughs> It's he, he done. Ain't watching this. He, he ain't watching oh, this. Man, that, that hurts my feelings. Oh, man, <laughs> I don't like that. No, seriously, uh, so yeah, tell yeah. me who you guys think the next head coach is. Honestly, Alex Van Pelt. I think it's Alex Van Pelt. Cody Carlson. Cody Carlson. John Carlson. Carlson. John Carlson. John Carlson. <laughs> John Carlson. Cody, Cody can Alex be his offensive coordinator. If he yes. wants the job, it's it's. they've already got the name play for Josh McDaniels on the coach's door. If he wants it, he gets it. I agree. But I, I've always thought that part of the reason he ditched the Colts the way he did was because there was essentially the handshake deal of when Belichick leaves, this is your gig. Yeah. But so I doubt he I leaves too. now. I, I don't expect I it yeah. necessarily, but I feel like if the opening shows up and if there's a chance, like dumb and dumber chance, they're going full court press to get Josh McDaniels down here. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dismiss the idea at all. They're dumb enough to do it, but I think that he, at this point, it's New England or bust for him. So if we put McDaniel's, so so Rivers, I, I want to hear you tell me who's the next head coach of the Houston Texans. It's incorrect for me to say that I don't care about David Cully because I think he's a wonderful man and I want to listen to his horror movies podcast. Right. <laughs> yes. I want but, his I, podcast. but I don't care that he is the Texans head coach. And uh-huh. I don't care who the next Texans head coach is, because unless something changes above him, it doesn't matter. I, I right. I don't care that you don't care, though. I want a name. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> well, well, Cody Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Just as likely as anybody. 
I, I, I don't I, I don't really think it's worth gathering information on this yet. I haven't thought about it that much, but obviously it's somebody Patriots connected. We all know that. Okay. Okay. You know, um, one of the things next next year I'm going to get upset about is people getting excited for assistant coaches. Like after the James Campen thing, after the Pep Hamilton thing, it happens yeah. every or like the the former Seattle quarterbacks coach who came here to save Deshaun Watson. I'm done with. I'm so tired of hearing that. It's like, oh, all of a sudden he went to Houston. He's some gray head coach. I'm sick of that. I don't want to hear that ever again. We don't know what these guys do or don't do at all, unless it's somebody who's like, you know, spectacular Mike Munchak offensive line where he had, or you know Scaramucci with the Patriots. You know, like somebody's like that long. Scaramucci was Trump's. Scaramucci was Trump's. Dante. What is his name? Dante. Yeah, Dante Scaramucci. Scarnecchia. Scaramongo. It's the same thing. Oh, God. Scaramucci, Scarmecchia, same thing. Dante Scaramucci is Anthony Scaramucci. John Carlson is Cody Carlson. What was it again? Scaramecchia? I feel like I'm talking to my dad right now. I feel like I'm talking to my dad right now. With the butchering of the names. Jesus. I don't know. Scaramucci. Dante Scaramucci, the Patriots. Yes. All-time Dante great Scaramucci. offensive line coach. Listen, listen regardless, I, if Scaramucci was his was head coach, though, I mean, that that's good content. Yeah, it would. For the for the for the, the eleven Napoleon, days maybe. he was the head coach, it would be great. <laughs> it would be great. Matt, let me ask you, who's the next Texans head coach? Twenty-two. Uh, sorry. Not the one who thought that the press secretary was the <laughs> Patriots <laughs> offensive line coach. The other Matt. The one who I assume has not been huffing glue for the last eight hours. Gun to my head. Gun to your head. Lovey Smith's son. Oh, God. Wow. Oh, God. See, the thing is, these are all crazy ideas, and I can't say any of them are so crazy that they're at. No one in a million years when you said who's going to succeed Bill O'Brien would have ever said David Culley. So, you know. I didn't even know David Culley existed. Yeah, no one did. Daryl no Cully did. didn't know David Culley existed. Yeah, no one did. Uh, so any of it, any it can it can be it can seem as crazy or out of left field as you want, but the truth is, David Culley had never been interviewed for a head coaching job before, and now he's the Texans head coach. So all of it's in play. Um, it's just oh, I, uh, uh, so say we all. all right. So you you hear my guy? You ready? I do. All right, Kevin O'Connell, offensive yeah. coordinator of the Rams, former former quarterback, third round yeah, pick coaching, of the Patriots. Yeah, coaching a yeah, Patriots ties, coaching a hot, you know, efficient deep pack, deep play action passing attack. I think he's gonna be, get a head coaching job next year, just kind of like the Sean McVay thing. But uh, with the Patriots yep. ties, they kind of pushed him to Houston too, and that may be a good guy too. Yeah, I, I mean they 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 could and have done worse. So, I mean, Exhibit A's David Culley. Or Clint um, Kubiak. How about Clint? Uh, oh, Gary Sun. Full know. circle. Bring it back. Put Gary in the ring of honor during Clint's first game as the head coach of the Texans. I'm it's on board. circle of shit. I, I couldn't believe that that uh, article. I think John McClain wrote it, that Gary Kubiak should the ring of honor. It's like, we're did. just, like, celebrating above averages now. Look, man, all, all these guys, uh, you know, I mean, hell, you guys know it because you you do it on a you do it on a on a hobby basis. These guys that do it professionally, like, what the hell else are you going to write about the Texans? There's only so many times you can say this team sucks. 
but without saying, you know, and it's too early to really talk about the draft from a prospect perspective. Why? Like, yeah, Gary Kubiak put him in. Put Mike Brizel in the in the uh, in the Ring of Honor too. Whatever it takes. You're Hell just yeah. churning content. Hell Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Hell yeah, Matt Brizel for yep, Matt. Ring of Honor. <laughs> Matt, bring him. I think I said Mike, didn't I? If I didn't, I feel like Weston. <laughs> I think you no, said br- Mike. What's his name? The guy we drafted it for left tackle in the expansion draft, but never actually played it down in the. Baselli. You never remember his name. Put Baselli in. Whatever. Put Ryan Young on the Ring of Honor. Haven't, yeah, haven't, haven't been to the last couple of Texans games, and, and, and it was still not as bad as it will be. Like, man, I don't think there were. The stadium might have been half full for the, la- for the Rams game. Maybe. And, I mean, what's it going to look like for the Jets here next weekend? Joe Flacco. What's it going to look like for the Chargers the day after Christmas? That's a very Uh, good question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's going to be – it's a tomb. And, I mean, they're still making money hand over fist. But, I mean, people are – even if the tickets are paid for – uh, people are are letting them know letting them know their dissatisfaction by staying away. I mean, the interest of the team. I think at this point, you guys tell me if you're wrong. If I'm wrong, I think it's at an absolute all time low. I don't think it's ever been lower than it is right now. The fact that there are st- empty seats in the stands during the regular season games is proof enough for me. Yeah, and the sad part is there's no reason for for like for them to care again because Cal McNair. Even just by sitting on his own hands, makes two hundred seventy some odd million dollars this year just from revenue share. So I mean, why is he going to be interested in improving the team if he can just sit, do literally nothing, like the fail son he is, and still make a quarter of a billion dollars? I do question if I went and dragged up more Jack Easterby content from his sermons and posted that on Sunday, it would get more attention than the Texans games. Yeah, you're right. Oh, God. And it'd be, it'd be, I'd rather spend my time watching that. I mean, it's hot. Jack I'd rather watch Jack Easterby uh, preach than watch the Texans play football at this point. That's how bad things are. Because at least there's something <laughs> original and sort of, you know, uh, something I haven't seen when I watch Easterby um, – why? Uh, as opposed to the Texans fumble around and just look absolutely miserable and completely inept. I mean, it's it's barely. We've said it before, but like this is this is far worse than two thousand two. It's far worse than two thousand five. It's far worse than two thousand thirteen. I think this might be the least talent the Texans have ever had. The outlook's never been bleaker. It really hasn't. And nobody that they brought in the entire offseason has actually been good. No. Great culture. Great culture. Great. You're right. Hey, Malik, Collins, can... Malik Collins has been a good addition. You're right. And He's Grinder been... Hill's pretty good, too. Is he? Who? Greenard isn't. Yeah, that's all right. Greenard <laughs> was here last year. He doesn't count. They're just giving him snaps this year. Matt Geiger. It's Cam Lee Grinder Hill. I'm an American. I'm not going to say DJ. What am I from France? From Belarus or something? It's Camu Greiger Hill. Jesus. 
Now, you're a true American. There's no doubt about that. Real American. Yeah, Scaramucci, Scaramucci, Patriots offensive line coach. Um, I, I mean, Malik Collins, all those guys, though, that have like, if any of them stay here, it's because the Texans overpaid, right? They're going to have better options elsewhere. Yeah, yeah that's one of the problems. The reason Collywood is because they can steal Cal McNair's money. That was the Cully's got a five-year here. deal. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems for next year, too. It's like, you look at these veterans, and aside from those two guys, everybody else has had it worse off here. You know, whether it's Desmond King or the horror linebackers they had or Marcus Cannon or, like, even, I guess, like, kind of watching Justin McCray flounder around. Like, Christian's been okay, but they haven't played a good pass rusher yet. But it's like, if you're a veteran next year and you're looking around and you want, like, a one-year prover contract, you still have the Desmond King and guys. You're like, I'm not going there at all. Unless they overpay to make it happen, of course, but... They're not going to even be able to like maybe get the guys they got last year, which is horrifying to think about. And also, they only have, I think, 26 players on active contract next season, too. And so they're probably going to do the same thing next year, but hopefully they you know, do you know, cast a wide UDFA net and have a bunch of draft picks to you know, kind of bridge the gap between the two things, too. And at least it's like the 10th youngest roster instead of the second oldest roster, you know? If I, right. were, a cor- if I were a cornerback... Why would I want to come play in Lovey Smith's defense where I'll get blamed for everything? For everything that ever goes wrong. If I were an offensive lineman, why would I want to play tackle in Houston where everybody hates me and where (laughs) I will run block on a unit that can't run block no matter how good I am? Speaking of offensive line, uh, Laramie Tunsil, you make him available in the offseason, correct? Yes, you should have done last year or even the year before that. But if you are going to make him available, what is the minimum you need back for you to trade him? I would say a late first. Oh, wow. Tired, I would have figured you said. And I think, like, Jackson will be a good team for him. They, like, yeah, Cam you, you were, you were really singing bad. that last year, too. Yeah, Cam Robinson's really bad. And, like, they, you know, you pair him with Trevor Lawrence. You're like, we have this for the future, you know. And he can pass protect really well, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll be a contrarian. I'll be a contrarian. I don't think they should trade him. Oh. After how well Jared Christian's played this year, you still wouldn't (laughs) trade him? uh, I've been blown away by Jerron Christian's play every week. It's Christian Senior. Christian Senior. Is it Jared or Jerron? Jerron. Oh, it's Jared. Scaramucci. (laughs) Scaramanga. Scaramucci. So, so, all right, Rivers, you would not trade Laramie Tunsil. No. You have him under contract for what two more years after this? Yep. You're not trading him. I don't think you'll get an offer good enough to let him go. What would be good yeah. enough for you to trade him? A top twenty pick. Oh wow, it's got to be a one then for you. All right, uh, Patrick, what do you think? We should You're trading Laramie Tunsil for what? What do you need? We should trade you everybody after we filed Bill O'Brien. After we filed Let's him, I agree. It. Try to get everything we could off of this, off of this godforsaken roster. Right, right. So, what what do you actually need to get back for him to trade him? Probably a first. I would say at least a mid round, mid middle first round. Okay. Probably. I know we're not going to get that, so probably we're going to be stuck with him. Matt, what do you think? You trade Laramie Tunsil, and if so, what do you need to get back? I am inadvertently going to agree with Rivers because it would need to be, for me, better than the Orlando Brown trade, which is a late first. So I'd want like a late okay. first and change or a mid or an earlier first 
And I, I just don't see anybody giving that up. I think wow. left tackle left tackle is the one was a position where you can play at an elite level for a long time as a pass protector. So I'm yeah. not concerned about him wearing down so much as I'm like, why is he getting paid number one tackle money when he's not the number one left tackle in the league? Well, he's getting paid exorbitant left tackle money because he negotiated by himself against Bill O'Brien. Oh, but, yeah. And won. And won, I mean, easily won. Did not have an agent and won. Um, and I think won by, if I'm remembering oh, correctly, Lane Johnson had the second wealth, the second highest uh, average salary, maybe the second highest. And I think I think uh, Tunsil beat him by like two or three million dollars a year. Oh, yeah. It was it was. It was way over. It was beautiful. Okay. I'm and then, really surprised. Uh, I, I, go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just saying that uh, uh, I forget exactly the Baltimore guy who was in the same draft class had his deal done like, oh, yeah, a few months Ronnie after, Stanley. and it yep. looked like yep. a freaking bargain compared to his. Yep. Yep. So you're, I'm surprised. I would have thought, and, and I'm not so sure I don't subscribe to this school of thought, that if I could get a high two for him, I wouldn't trade. I would trade him. Um, but – I understand the notion of you can keep, you can play a guy like that forever. I guess my concern is I, I I find it very hard to believe that once his contract is over, unless you're willing to franchise him, that he's staying here. I find it hard to believe the Texans are going to find somebody uh, with a second round pick that's empirically great, just given Nick Casario's tr- track record here. Yeah, that's, that's a limited that's track. Thing. It's, yeah. it's a limited track record. I will say this: I, we're going to find out a whole lot more about Casario this offseason than we did last, because uh, uh, yeah, he's actually going to have to draft. I know everything I need to know right now. Do you already? <laughs> he was, he's a failure. Yes. I think he's. Wow. I think he's just. He's so focused on these intangibles that it's going to be. It's going to be an uphill battle for him to get picks right. I really. It's do. blinding okay. him. Yeah. Okay. I mean, look, he did draft Davis Mills with his first pick. And once that happened, it's hard to yeah, – before you ever knew how good Davis Mills would be, at the time you thought it was crazy. No, I thought it was – I thought it made sense, actually. Oh, Christ, Rivers. <laughs> oh, Christ, just contrarian left and right. You thought yeah. it made sense to draft Davis Mills. The I idea. I thought it made sense the idea, to find yes. – yes, yes, yes. The idea. The idea. Yes. Not, the not... idea. Not not a, this is not a defense of Davis Mills the prospect so yeah, much as okay. yeah. <laughs> the idea of drafting a quarterback makes sense. I just wish it wasn't Davis Mills. <laughs> well, who else was it going to be at that point? That's the thing. I, it wasn't. It wasn't. There was no one else. It, I guess go. it could have been Kellen Mond, which would have made me even sadder. Um, but I mean, I I, I, I uh, God, I'm just getting angrier. <laughs> Well, hey, Tim, I, don't forget that Davis Mills would have been a first-round pick if he stayed an extra year in Stanford. What? You, you can't heard, forget you the Matt, down that bargain. Matt, Matt told you he would have been a second-rounder. Matt, Matt's the draft, Nick, and Matt said he thought that Davis Mills would be a second-rounder this year based on who else was in the pool. You know, I, I laughed at the idea when I first heard it, when I first heard the you – because know, everybody plays defense after their draft. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's amazing, right? And I started watching these guys, and I'm like – it's starting to make sense where the uh, where the notion comes from. I don't agree with it still, but like you, you can sort of see it. You guys are all haters. Pep Hamilton is going to elevate Davis Mills' game because he worked with uh, he worked with Justin Herbert, and so that means he's the best the the best quarterback whisperer that we've got in this league. So and it's, Andrew it's, Luck, it's don't forget Andrew Luck. It's over. He's worked with no other quarterbacks oh. ever. 
I'm so upset about Justin Herbert playing in this Babe Ruth ass. Yeah, it's Lombardi, terrible. New it's, Orleans it's, Saints offense. It's awful. It's sickening. It's it's, it's unbearable. Disgusting. How do you have how do you have that arm? Be like, we'll run play action when the only deep pass me posts off play action. That's it. I had to talk about this on NBC's uh, podcast Tuesday that I did, and then they're like, "What was my? Why is Mike Williams not playing ball?" And I'm like, "Well, because Justin Herbert can't throw deep anymore, and that's kind of what Mike Williams does." So there you go. Yeah, some well, I wonder how much of it too. It's like well, these new coaches are so obsessed with efficiency, and like the best play is like a four or five yard air yard pass, you know. Because it's a high completion rate. You can get yards after the catch after the fact. I wonder how much of it's that or how much it's just like, this is what Joe Lombardi knows as the offense coordinator with his New Orleans Saints ties, you know? I mean, he ruined Stafford's, uh, what was it, two years with him where he had uh, yeah. he had him throw the Drew Brees stuff too. So, I mean, that's that's what I it mean, is. I, I mean, There's that one year too where like Stafford's playing pretty well, like five weeks of Joe Lombardi. Like, this is what Stafford needed, an offensive structure. He he's so good at throwing short passes and it lasts for six weeks and uh, and he was awful after that. He he's good at throwing to Golden Tate and Golden Tate's good at making people miss. It's almost like that's kind of a requirement of the Joe Lombardi system. And there's nobody like that for the Chargers. There's nobody the same. Yeah, the Chargers. There's nobody. <laughs> like, even Austin Eckler's good at running vertical routes and they haven't used him on those anymore. Yeah. It's, it's sad. It makes me it's it's that, devastating. Washington's defense and Kirk Cousins being like uh, the six best quarterback in the NFL are the worst things that happened this year. Kirk Cousins is the sixth best quarterback in the NFL? I think so. Uh, I'm talking about this year. I'm not talking about like, you know, overall. But I'm talking about this season. I think he's been the sixth best one. Okay. Yeah, I think you go, you know, Stafford, Rodgers, uh, I mean, I guess I think Cousins been better than Mahomes until you know recently as well too. I think you put Kyler there also. I mean, that's that we're we're just talking about like as an output of of like ratings and this stats season. at this point. Just as, yeah, I'm as, talking about as, like how his performance this year. Okay, okay. I'm not talking about like you know regardless of the structure and thing else. Just like his performance this year, I think Cousins has been the sixth best quarterback. He's gonna get destroyed this weekend. Oh, against Green Bay. Yeah. I'm glad that Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage have been just incredible last four weeks. It's really a shame that uh, Aaron Rodgers seems so devoted to not making this happen because, <laughs> like, it does it does have like a good last dance kind of scenario going to it. They were mm-hmm. one of my Super Bowl picks well, this year. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember mine anymore. I don't know. I think I did Bills. I did Bills Bucks. Who I did. I'm enjoying not talking about the Texans. This is great. Does anybody else want to talk about not the Texans? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, Pat, who's your favorite former Texan on the Tennessee Titans? Is it David Questenberry, Kendall Lamb, Ben Jones, Mike Rabel, or it's, Randy Bullock? It's easily Ben Jones because who else could, do you know that would eat a tuft of grass off of the ground? I will. That memory will Cal, stick up again forever. <laughs> Matt, you forgot the uh, you, you forgot uh, Deonta Foreman, who is going to have. Quite I always the forget one. He's he's going to have quite the revenge game. Better this, this than Sunday. Adrian Peterson, Deontay Foreman. I buy it. Mm-hmm. He'd eat our damn lunch. 
whenever I think about Ben Jones and Houston, I just think about that game against San Francisco in 2013 where he was just obliterated. When I think about Deonta Foreman, I think about how he was patient zero for all this culture bullcrap and mm-hmm. how they cut him out of nowhere. And I think it was like in May even. It was like it was like May or June. It wasn't even a real time when you lose somebody. And then all of a sudden he's just like, get out of here. We got to trade a third round pick for Duke Johnson now. Yes, that'll solve everything. August 4th, 2019, Rivers. August 4th, 2019 was when they huh? cut Deonta Foreman. Okay, so it was early training camp. It was. Yeah, it okay. was. And we don't, and we have David Johnson, so we're fine now, right? Well, that was a year right? before they cut. That was a year before they cut, uh, before they traded for David Johnson. So it's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. Let's trust the plan. If I was at a flea market in the years like 2031, and there is a, a Bal Red David Johnson jersey there for five dollars, I still wouldn't buy it. Yes, you would. For the irony, no, I would you'd not. buy it. I would not at all. Nope. If you would, I would. For that reason. Yeah, I, I just uh, uh, um, talking about the Texans makes me sad. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, Matt. Uh, let me. <laughs> why let me why are we it. doing, Matt? Why are we doing this? Matt, what, let me. Let I me, thought it'd be a fun thing to do. Matt, I want to bring it back. I thought it'd be a fun thing to do. Back to the draft. Um, is there any? Let me ask you this. Give me your top offensive line and top defensive line prospects for well, just generally, and then to the to the degree that it matters that that scheme fit matters. Who would you say is a potential good fit for the Lovey Smith cover two, cover three? We're not really pressuring anybody defense. Okay, uh, so if we're just going offensive line. Uh, if we're just talking like first round, like early round grades, let's do uh, first, second, or third round. Okay, fair enough. So I would say uh, you have Evan Neal, who's like the the, the mammoth guy out of Alabama, right? You have Ekem uh, uh, Ikwanu from NC State, who's sort of like uh, seen some people say he's a tackle, seen some people say he's a guard. He's he's really big and moves really fast. That's the best way to describe him. Uh, you got Tyler Linderbaum, who is getting uh, uh, some, I don't know if it's warranted, but Jason Kelsey comps in terms of just a center who can who can move really well to the second level. Uh, there's a rep of him like beating uh, Tristan Wirfs in wrestling when he was like, a, I think, a, a few years younger than him. It was pretty impressive, yeah. Uh, you have Charles Cross from Mississippi State, and he's like a pure pass-protecting left tackle. Uh, and then aside from that, you're looking at Kenyon Green from AM. Yeah. Vers- versatile guard. Looks pretty solid. Uh, and then you have a bunch of question marks. There's a lot of uh, small school guys who got invited to the Senior Bowl. We'll see which of them actually can hold down with the big dogs. Uh, okay. And then on the defensive line, it's it's Edge City this year. If you right. want one, I think I have 10 who are projected right now to go on somewhere between first round and second round. Wow. Uh, and it's pretty much just like pick your flavor, pick your body type whichever you like. Yeah, it's loaded. Um, the three that I care about are Kayvon Thibodeau, which everybody knows, everybody in the mom yep. knows, Aiden Hutchinson, which is yep. culture, right? Yep. And then my personal favorite out of all of them is, is uh, George Karloftis, the Greek yeah. freak out of, out of Purdue. Uh, gives me like, uh, like discount Trey Hendrickson vibes, uh, just 
inhumanly strong, moves at a ton, super raw, doesn't really know like what he's doing, but when he does, he's unstoppable. So those three defensive linemen you named, two of those guys are top 10 picks, maybe top five picks. There's an argument that the third one is a top 10 also, but he might get pushed down. Yeah. Right. Maybe he, maybe he makes it to the top 15, but right. All three of those potentially go in the top 10, the offensive lineman, Evan Neal's a top 10 pick. Yes. And then after that, the other guys you named. Uh, Equano is getting some steam, but he's looking like at least top 15. Yeah. People are really buzzing about him. Yeah. And then Litterbaum, it's just, I'm sorry. The two first rounders. I would say. Yeah. As of now. Yeah. The way things are shaping up. Okay. And do you think at that point, I mean, Thibodeau at this point has to probably be considered the chalk to go first overall. And unless something dramatically changes or he like is a poor athlete or whatever. Yeah. It's looking like it. Better prospect than Mario Williams or no. So this has been my project. Yeah. Is that's just, cause I love doing this every year when they say this is the, the can't miss edge. Mm-hmm. And so I like to sort of put them in a spectrum mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't done my deep dive. I normally do that like after, like during playoffs or whatever. Right. Uh, but from what I've seen, he's in the, he's in the chase young to defensive Josh Allen range. Like oh, he, wow. he, he, he's still pretty raw. He's got a lot mm-hmm. of like obvious explosive traits. I don't think he's like uh, a Miles Garrett rare, like mm-hmm. Superman or anything, but he, he he's definitely very solid. Okay. Um, Rivers, which of those entices you the most? Kayvon. It's not, it's not close, but I think the one of Aiden Hutchinson, as I said earlier. Yeah. If, if, uh, you had to bet on who the Texans are taking with their first first-round pick. At this point, Hutchinson probably makes the most sense, right? Yep. Yep. For culture yes. reasons and skill and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. And he's consistently been mocked uh, to the Texans, almost like like chalk. As right. It goes Kayvon and then Aiden. Right. And is there and, – and that's assuming the Texans picks I, – I know I've seen some mocks. The Texans are picking second. Maybe they're picking third. But all, it seems like there's some – some agreement, some agreement that that it's Hutchinson, whether it's two or three, he's the guy. Yeah, based on how the draft board is shaken. Yeah, who, unless who the Eagles. Would you, who would you compare Hutchinson to? Ah, oh, I've seen some people throw out the JJ Watt, and that's just atrocious <laughs> to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. He he wins with power. He's he's a strength guy. He's got some surprising bend. I don't think it's like generational or anything. And then he's just a. Uh, He's a baby Bosa is the best way to describe it. He, oh. He's great with his hands, and that's really how he wins. Is Nick or tech, Joey? Uh, probably closer to Joey because Nick is a little bit more of an athlete. Uh, but I'd say he's a poor man's Joey is my comp. Would you be willing to trade out of the opportunity to take him second or third overall to, say, move down to the end of the top ten and maybe pick up a second or pick up a low first? Oh, heck yeah. I've been slamming the table okay. that that needs to be the move. Because uh, what, what I explained to somebody on like a, a Twitter post when we were just musing about mocks is um, why would I want the the silver medal pass rusher when the gold just went, when I can easily just get the gold of any other position that matches my board and also get picks to show for it, get some depth, which we desperately need as an org. Yep. Yep. So I, I mean, I, I, I think... It, it reminds me a lot of, of when the Texans had uh, that first overall pick in 2006. And I know a lot of us were banging on the table for them to trade out a number one, maybe move down to four or five, take the Brickishaw Ferguson, and, and then 
you know, maybe pick up another one or two, something like that. It's the same stuff. The roster, the roster is so is so bereft of talent that to the extent you can go and pick up extra premium picks, of course, I think that we've probably learned from what the Dolphins have done the last couple of years uh, that just having all the picks doesn't really matter if you're not going to hit right. But either you have the right guy making those picks or you don't, and you'll find out sooner rather than later. It doesn't mean you shouldn't take more shots at it. Absolutely. I don't know if we've done uh, listener questions or not, but I know somebody was asking if the like best player available or like attack a certain philosophy, but like with, with the way this team is, you, you can't go wrong with just finding people who can overcome bad coaching and just get on the field to start. Well, that is an excellent segue. Weston, do you have the listener questions in front of you? Yeah, I do. You want to hear the first one? Do it. I, I w- also, I want to say real fast that Austin Jackson is somehow w- a worse version of Eric Flowers. I probably like my least favorite offensive lineman I've watched this year is Austin Jackson. <laughs> and what round did they take him? Was he a first or a second? First. First. He was like and that was, yeah. overall. Same draft that had uh, the the Becton, the Werfs, the uh, Jedrick Wills, and he was who they ended up taking. Yeah, I but think he, was he went after, after all, all those guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they waited okay. quite a bit. Yeah. All right. So our first question is from at Charso Beast. Are you ready, Tim? When are they going to fire Jack Easterby? Man, I've been screaming this for, I think, the last, yeah, no, no, last year's not fair. Six months. January 2023. I'm standing by it. <laughs> I'm standing is by that it. Six, I thought, is that 666 days after something else or whatever? <laughs> Might as well be. I, I thought for sure that they would fire him after the Sports Illustrated exposés. And before all the Deshaun Watson criminal stuff came out, I thought criminal slash civil, I thought for sure uh, McNair would fire him after the exposés and if it cost him Watson all that stuff. I think that he got let off the mat. You think about it, man. It's it's crazy to me. We uh, like we're, we're probably too focused on it, but I think generally speaking – Deshaun Watson's civil issues, his off-the-field issues, have let Easter be off the mat in a big way. People don't blame him or focus on him the way they did before all that happened. Yep. I think that'll change when the season goes into the tank, or sorry, when season is over and we see how far into the tank we are. But um, I think that they will fire him or he will leave in January of 2023. I think we have one more season of this. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny too, like the Eastbury stuff also, where like, I don't know what year this happened, but we're like thinking differently is like goes in line with being smart for whatever reason. And so it's like, whatever is like the opposite, of like the common thought, it's like, oh, this is the smart idea since everybody thinks this, but it's like, well, Eastbury is just like, he's bad and he's like out of touch and he doesn't have it's the hipster NFL has too enormous of a role. <laughs> yeah, Jack Eastbury's in that Christian coffee shop, he you is. know, with uh. With the rape of Dina tattooed on his pectoral muscle, you know, playing the bongos, wearing wearing black plastic frame glasses, and has a goatee. Yep, wearing skinny jeans. Yeah, six hundred sixty six days after the Travis Scott concert, Jackie Spree. Oh God! Out. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Next question, Weston. No, 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 no. January twenty twenty four is my pick. Two year two uh, rapture. The rapture, that's when we get rid of Easterby. This this next one isn't a question, but I, I'm going to throw this comment up here just because I like the idea of Steve Slade in the Ring of Honor from <laughs> Necrodank. I'm wearing, I'm wearing the Necrodank t-shirt, the football feeling shirt. <laughs> wow. 
and you can get it for I think twenty two dollars. It comes from somewhere in Ohio, I believe. The quality is better than I thought it would be. You know, better NFT than what the Texans are. are <laughs> yes, it, it runs are a little bit big, but shilling. it does the job. No, that's that's it's, great. I, I'm with you. No, look, Steve Slayton had it had one magical year uh, as the Texans running back. I'd put him in. I have good memories of Steve Slayton. I took him, I think, with my first round pick in fantasy football the year after, and he proceeded to shit the bed. But I still have positive memories of Steve Slayton. So it's your fault is what you're saying. Absolutely. Blame me. Put put Pat White in the Texans ring of honor as well. Bring it. I'm on board. (laughs) Jake DeLone, too. (laughs) Derek Newton. Don't forget Derek Newton. He should be in the ring of honor. They haven't had a good right tackle since him. Except for like Tyus Howard pass blocking well for a few weeks Except last year. Tyus Howard, who now plays left guard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's question. unbelievable that like they haven't had a good offensive line since 2015. It's it's very believable, actually. It's insane. 15? That was six years ago. Yeah, that's the last time it was good. I don't remember. Now You're saying with Hoyer, Brown, Hoyer and Mallet, it was a good offensive line? That was, that was the year. Yeah, that was a good year. And I got to go back and look. Okay. They won games because of the offensive line. I think they won games because of Ryan Mallet's cannon arm. <laughs> that's true, too. I think did they win one with him. I think that's I think right. Too. He did. He was the, wasn't he the, wasn't he the quarterback? He threw the, uh, the he uh, lost touchdown to Carolina. pass. He threw a touchdown pass to J.J. Watt in Cleveland. Yeah, but that was the year before that, though. That was 14? Yeah, that was 14. Oh. That was Ryan. I remember he got hurt, and they had to sign Case Keenum that year. Right, that right. And, and yeah. Keenum started in – no, no, no. Oh, that's right. Keenum also started, though, Gary Kubiak's last year at Arrowhead. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they pulled him out of a deer blind. That was a magical experience as well. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they haven't. The offense line has been good since 2015. All right, so Matt, this question is from at Confused Lefty. He asks, should fans be angrier at Watson, given he did sign contract extension? Plenty of great quarterbacks that play all play, play under awful coaches and owners never moaned about it. Should Watson be judged worse because of his holdout? See, this is a little weird for me because. Uh... In a vacuum, I have zero faults for the guy for just thinking that this was a, a very poorly run shift and wanting out of it immediately. I, I'm pretty sure there were reports of him already having uh, issues or conflict with the org, and they had to like reassure him in order to get him to sign. Uh, what really like uh, turns me is just notion of like Miami or bust and this whole like uh, campaign to get himself specifically over there. That, that's the real thing that's like warped my perception of him. I would say. Yeah, I hope they don't they don't trim to Miami for that reason alone. Like, I don't want him to get what he wants to get, you know. And also, I just don't like Miami's like selecting that picks anymore now either. Uh, yeah, just because they've of, already picked I mean, them all. Yeah, their picks. Yep. It's like, do I want the Niners' picks? Not really, you know. That's the the fact that they traded their pick. To move up for uh, Jalen Waddle this last year, boggled my mind. It, yeah, yeah, and and I think it really hamstrings them from the perspective of getting Watson now. I think that may be the reason they don't get him. I still, if I had to bet on the team he goes to, I still think it's that one. But I think that that move alone, that move really cost them 
the chance to, if not lock up Watson, to, to really be a prohibitive favorite. Well, and it's weird, too, because, like, Waddle's the perfect quarterback or the perfect wide receiver for Tua also. They're perfect together. Like, it's what you want for Tua. Like, a lot of quick slants and drags and broken tackles and that sort of thing. Uh, but, like, if, if Tua's not part of your long-term plans, that doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever, you know? Next question, right, Wes. We're waiting on you. <laughs> From at Chill Cuts Deep. Assuming Coley and Levy stay, but Kelly is to go, who could the Texans feasibly hire as offense coordinator? What retreats or are or will be likely out there? Any promising assistance looking ready for a promotion offense coordinator? Please don't say Josh McCown. Um, let's toss this one over to you, Tim. Pat Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, am I wrong? I mean, I think that's the most likely scenario. Let Pep Hamilton call the plays. Um, Tim Kelly's the sacrificial lamb. They let Pep call the plays and say he was he has a good rapport with the quarterbacks and, and he's had the success with Andrew Luck, and that, yet I think it's most likely him. Um, it comes back to the fact, it was kind of the thing, to, to sort of circle it back to uh, something else I know. You know, when Charlie Strong's uh, tenure at UT was circling the drain, that last year, they were desperately trying to find coordinators to sign up to make a splash. And a lot of those guys, bigger name guys, even just younger guys that maybe had a future, said, I'm not coming over here to a sinking ship. You can give me a two or three year guaranteed contract, and that's great. I'll be able to pay the rent. But my coaching career will take a hit when this inevitably goes down. I don't know why any coach worth a shit would want to come here to join David Culley's staff when I would imagine everyone has to say there is an infinitesimal chance he survives 2022. So why cast your lot with him just so you have the opportunity to call plays? It's either going to have to be a young guy that's really young and is going to have a shot to, to remake his career or an old guy who has no shot of, of having another chance to call plays. So he says that's fine. I really don't think that you're going to be able to get anybody worth a shit to come in and call plays because they're going to look at as as hitching their wagon to David Cully, which is frankly, you know, going over a cliff. Why would you why would you do that if you're a guy with options? You're assuming someone with options would actually come here though. No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. That's exact opposite. Somebody with options I don't think does come here. Uh, I think he says, I'm, "I'm. I'd rather. I'd rather stay a position coach, or stay at my old job, or call plays, or be it. You know, I, why would I come and join with David Cully when I? They've already hit the iceberg. The ship's going down. Why would I want to jump on? Because maybe you'd steal money from Cal McNair. I don't know. I'm working here. Yeah, I mean, there, there is a number. I'm sure at which point somebody would say, "Yeah, I'll take the the two or three year guaranteed deal and make you know two or three million dollars, whatever you're paying your coordinator to do it." But I think guys with options and futures aren't going to do it. I think that I mean, I, I just don't understand why somebody good would want to come here with David Cully. Different story if they make a change at the end of the year and somebody new gets to come, they hire a new head coach and he gets to bring in his new staff. That's a different story. But if you're if you're talking about staying with a Cully staff, it makes no sense to me for somebody with options to come here. None. Yeah, and there is this stuff too, like back to the veterans, like next year sort of thing, and how like how badly these guys have been put in like poor spots. You know, the scheme is bad, and the players are bad, and like 
if you're going to be here, if you're looking for a team next year, you want like a bounce back contract. I wouldn't sign with Houston, you know, because like we saw what happened to some of these guys this year too. I think it goes in line with the offensive coordinators and head coach as well. Um, Tim, who, what's been worse for you? Has it been the the nut punch that Texans have given you or the nut punch the University of Texas of Austin have given you this year when it comes to the football oh, team? For sure, the horns. I had zero expectations for, for the Texans this year. I thought it would be bad. I think before the season I said 3-14. and 14. Um, So that's not surprising me. I thought for sure this year the horns would win eight, had a shot at nine. Uh, I didn't think that they were going to be competing for uh, national championships or playoff berths or anything like that, but I thought it would be relatively entertaining, competent football. You thought and, a uh, team would get you nine wins. Are you kidding? I did. They were four and one, and they've lost uh, five in a row. I did not see that coming. Four and, four and one, and they've lost four. I don't know. I know we need to win the next two to be bowl eligible. So, yes, we're four and five. That's right. Um yeah, without a doubt, the Horns have been worse. And it's been disappointing because, unlike the Texans, they have had leads in most of the games they have lost and have just shit the bed in the second half. So, without a doubt, the Texan, the, the Horns have disappointed me far more than the Texans because my expectations for the Texans were nil. So, over the past few years, which UT loss has hurt your feelings the most? Was it the Kansas oh. loss this past year or just something which else Maryland sticking your jaw even more? Which Maryland losses hurt the most? That's good. Um, uh, you know what? I don't want to answer that. I need to. I wouldn't give you an educated answer. I need to go back and look at them and remember how I felt. All I know okay. is this: I have been very sad for a long time on Saturdays, at least a decade worth, with very few chances of like happiness, glee, whatever. Um, I'll tell you what. Next time we do this, I will go back and a- and answer which one of the Last five years has been the worst loss. Uh, there have been so many that have disappointed me that now I'm thinking about it, and it's just they're all running together. Uh, Kansas, right, so we'll, we'll move. go ahead, move on. I'm getting sad. Again. I was gonna say when we do the when we do the end of year one, and when we talk again in, uh, gosh, I guess there's eight more games left, and we when we talk again eight oh, weeks. God, we can eight. do that at that time. <laughs> then it's draft season. Then it's Matt's time to shine. Oh, then it becomes God, then it becomes God. then it becomes a question of, you know, who are they going to take with their uh nine first round picks and their uh eight second round picks? Because that's what Deshaun's gonna get. So this next question is for you, Pat. It's from Travis Bickle underscore seventeen, who I assume is diehard Chris. It's a very diehard Chris thing to do. <laughs> Hi. I believe do it. we all want to continue to be alive during this current version of the Texans or can we have an immolation party? I'll hang up and listen. Yes, we want to be alive because football is supposed to be enjoyed. The fact that wins and losses are not the only way you can enjoy a game. You can enjoy them by doing, watching them do incredibly stupid shit on a regular basis, which the Texans are, can be really relied upon to do. So honestly, it's just a matter of finding how you can be entertained by this team. I've already found my own way. It's you have to find your own journey to get to enjoy this team. Because if you're expecting them to win and you're expected to be entertained by them winning, you are not going to be entertained. You're supposed to be entertained by this team. And this team will not entertain you by winning. Yes, I'm drunk. What's your point? No, so you're the like, It's not uh it's not your, the football feeling, it's you have to find your football feelings. So what it is, mm-hmm. 
that football feeling is so subjective that it actually does you a favor by saying you don't have to be expecting them to win to be feeling that feeling. Rivers, did you ever find your football feeling this year? Yeah, I was on way. Cheers. <laughs> Ryan Mallett's the alarm clock for Ring of Honor. <laughs> so, Rivers, the next question is from at Chilcuts Deep. Is there any run scheme, power, inside zone, outside zone, that the Texans have shown an ability to be average at? Asking from the perspective of Coley saying the team is going to focus on what's been working. Uh, I guess they've been a little bit better gap than outside zone, but man, they're just, they, 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 they can't move. They think that they can move, but they cannot move. They cannot, they can't do this like uh split zone thing where the guy Jordan Aikens out there just like flailing in the backfield. It's, it's been hard to watch. It's, it's one of those things where I just kind of tune it out now at this point. I've just tuned out. <laughs> like before I used to be invested in this, I'd be like, oh man, here's another David Johnson run. I'm going to make a compilation of all these David Johnson runs that are so bad. And I'm just like, I, I, I had no hope to begin with, so I don't care. Yeah, I'm glad that I've been able to to fill that void to make the bad David Johnson run collage. The split zone stuff though, has driven me insane. It's like nobody cares about Jordan Akins. No. Like, pulling him across the formation doesn't matter at all. For that matter, Ron nobody cares about Anthony Alclair either. That's true. Or Farrell Brown. Brown. Or the, the long list of all those guys. But, hey, they may care about Jeff Driscoll, though. They might. God, they may care about Jeff Driscoll. They might. So the next question here is for, for you, Matt. This is from at Chilcuts Deep as well, too. Given that winning is impossible, any reason why the Texans don't shove Fairburn out there every field goal attempt between 55 and 65 yards? Like, that would be entertaining. More so than a fourth down attempt. Hashtag, give me a circus show. I, I'm not going to say that I agree with that line of thinking, but I will say that that would not be the worst fourth down decision that David Coley has made this season. I'm trying to think what the worst one was. I think it was that fair Baron it, like against the Patriots one. That kick from yep. like 54 yards out. And that opened up the box of horrors that led to the the loss from there. And they, and they were like all proud of that one too. Afterwards, they were he, Dave Kelly was like, <laughs> "Yeah, no, I really believe in my kicker." And I was like, "That's great. No one gives a crap. He's not that good." Like just to read kick field goals from here on out. Again, I like that. Entertainment purposes. If we're talking entertainment, yeah, that was the most fun I saw. You know, I've heard Jeff Driscoll can change positions often. Um, oh, damn it, Rivers. <laughs> I think we've all learned that uh, maybe kicking is an eight. Who knows? They're putting freaking poison in the water, making the Titans play quarterback, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rivers, what's been your favorite, like, post-game or, like, or like interview quote or press, press conference quote that Texans have given this year, aside from David Coley's love of nachos? No, but that's easily number one. That's not fair. Well, I know, I know it is, but what's the second best one? <sighs> Man, they don't even give good ones. That's the problem. Like, David Kelly reacts to everything. I guess probably going back to what we talked about with uh, uh, the, the Cleveland one, where he, where he, was, he, he was saying, oh, no, 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 it's the Patriots one. It's the Patriots one at the end of that game where he insisted to uh, Aaron Rice that they had the – uh, pass in there somewhere that that stopped the clock and that never happened. 
That's got to be number one. Yeah. I'm sad yeah. now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this would be a good idea. It, it wasn't. Just living in that alternate universe from them. It wasn't. No. All right, Matt. This question is from you. It's from at found of HOU Sports. The first one is. Would you cut the entire coaching staff and start new for 2022, or is that too severe? I mean, gut reaction, I want to say that that's too severe, but honestly, like, uh, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing that happened this season. Uh, there's a, in the email chain, I, I threw in there, like, who, who's even taking a, a coaching job here? It, like, I'm not even sure if you could find, like, a an intern quality control to, to run operations, you know? Uh, so I... In theory, yeah, but it's not like some some scheme innovator is just walking through these doors like, oh, this is what you need to do for your offensive line, or these are how your corners need to actually get depth. Uh, so, I mean, it couldn't hurt, but I, I just don't see it happening realistically. Yeah, it's one of those questions where, like, I don't know, you just don't know what these guys do and don't do it all. And it kind of goes back to what I'm saying, what I said earlier about like, I don't want to hear, like, clamoring for position coaches that are added or not added. But it's like nobody here has gotten better at all. Like, there's not been a position group that's been, like, take a big step forward where you have to love, you know, this group or that group or this coach or that coach at all, you know? Nothing really stands out at all. And so, like, I don't think anything's too severe after the season just by how stagnant everything has been. And, and that's pretty typical whenever you're trying to actually gauge whether an assistant coach is quote unquote good at their job or not, is you need to look at the group as a whole and see, do they know what they're supposed to do on a given assignment? And you look at the depth issues that have consistently been playing out. You look at uh, people missing assignments, uh, inconsistent gap control, all that good jazz. And it's just, it's not looking great. I'll tell you that. And uh, everyone was talking about how everyone was uh, optimistic about the uh, coaching staff this year how it was so going to be so far away from Bill O'Brien, how players were going to get out of their box, out of their shells. And yet we, all we keep talking about is people moving out of position or not doing what they're supposed to be good at. And that's the opposite of what good coaching should give you. Mm -hmm. Well, they never said anything about good coaching. They said different coaching. That's the thing. Yeah. Different. <laughs> and it just yeah, hasn't been that different. Always good. There's will, always another layer of hell. I will cast a timid vote for uh defensive line coach, Bobby King, who has, gotten some decent pressure with a, a unit that is before the season looked really, really bad. And now it might just be like John Grenard is good. And then everybody else is okay. I mean, that's better than everybody else has done on the staff. And did some good yeah. things before as a linebacker coach. Yeah. Got some productive things out of special teamers, essentially. I like, I liked watching Demarcus Walker play defensive tackle this year that was pretty fun <laughs> like that was just like a thing they did and you're like I, oh, you're like, I, I mean i guess we're doing this you know you're you know you kind of uh i don't know it was tough it's like it's, yeah we're doing that <laughs> it's it's cool when versatility is your hallmark and everybody you expect to be versatile sucks at it yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Rivers, what's been your favorite Levy Smith defense? Has it been cover one, cover three, or cover two? It's for sure cover three with Lonnie Johnson just chilling at right field. Just just chilling. Just hanging out there, having a good time. Just vibing. Just a picnic table out there with ants carrying away his fruit salad. Looking oh. for a wayward Josh Allen throw to come his way, just on his lap. 
I'm sorry. You asked. You, you asked. You asked for my favorite, so I didn't answer. Yeah, <laughs> that's always a good rebuttal to that one. I thought it was fun watching play cover one last week against Miami. Like we're gonna blitz a lot, and they everyone their blitzes got picked up. Like they never like actually got anybody home except for Cunningham got through once on like that coffee house blitz, and then he also missed Jacoby Brissett just like one on one just running you know, right at him. They tend to do this thing where they're like, no, we're not going to focus on the opponent. We're going to focus on ourselves and we're going to find deep within every answer that we need. And then they play the Dolphins who like run RPOs like 80% of the time. They're like, it's time to blitz. Let's just go for it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to ignore the haters this week and we're going to find our best life. And we're going to live our best life and ignore the haters. And this is what they got. Yep. Just, Just let me die. I do think the the Dolphins' loss was the worst one this year, though. That yeah, one was kind of that one was demoralizing. Oh, the I Bills, think. where we scored nothing. But the Bills are really good, though. And Davis Mills is like in a bad environment on the road, and it's cold. Yeah, but at some that. point, you expect them to score trash points. We didn't even do no. that. Because the Bills stomp teams, you know. But like to have Taylor back and be like, at least they're ex- like a acceptable with Taylor. And then to have the turnovers they did and the turnovers they forced and still only scored nine points. I think that far and away was the worst loss this year. It's because you love Josh Allen, isn't it? It's because you love Josh Allen. Oh, say it. I love Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And to have Taylor that's not miss, wide, miss Danny Amendola wide open on the wheel. <sighs> and then miss that seam up to Brandon Cooks as well, too, where if he just throws it where there's no safety at all, it would have been touchdown as well, too. It's almost like that Jaguars game raised expectations for everybody that he was actually really good. And he made like two good throws in that game that were like impossible to replicate. Mm-hmm. And it sounds a lot like Davis Mills. <laughs> yes, exactly. In the Patriots game. <laughs> so Pat going for, we have at Tennessee, the New York jets, the Indianapolis Colts, the Seattle Seahawks, a nice three game home stretch. Then at Jacksonville, then Los Angeles Chargers, then at San Francisco 49ers, and then Week 18, January 9th, at home against the Tennessee Titans. Which game are you most excited for? All of them. I want to see how we lose each and every one of them. That's going to be interesting. Which, but which one, if you had to pick one, are you most excited for? Just Honestly, one. Gets the ones against the Traders because, you know, we hate them. And I love them, though. Out- how they screw up against them. What about you, Matt? I would say, uh, well, I thought the terrible bowl was going to end up being the uh, Miami game, but I think the Jets, there's an, a deeper layer of ineptitude. <laughs> and I just want to see that uh, that garbage time pile out. I want Joe, if Joe Flacco's playing that game, I want Joe Flacco to beat this Texans team. I want Mike White to beat this Texas team. Let's be honest. No, I want Joe Flacco, too. I want Zach Wilson, too. I was just waiting to say it, yeah. <laughs> That's fine, too. They would all be good. They would all be good. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, they're only two really, like, looking at their best chances for a win are against the Jets, and then, of course, it's Jacksonville on the road, too. Um, and you're not really expecting any of their wins the rest of these. So maybe they win three, but probably, like, I would guess, like, two or so. I'm very wary of the Jacksonville rematch because it looks like Trevor Lawrence has really gotten some momentum and is really out pulling themselves out of the Urban Meyer uh, basement. Yeah, Rivers, do you think it's been worse, David Coley or Urban Meyer? 
David Cully. And that's, that's Anselm. I would think so. That's all I've got. <laughs> I would think so. What, all right, Rivers, let me ask you. Let's, let's get you out of the depths here. What's been your favorite team to watch this year? That's, of Ooh. course, not the Houston Texans. My favorite team to watch. I know that this is going to be like annoying after the last two weeks, but probably the Rams. Yeah. Just see, just seeing them run the same play over and over again on the Seahawks on that Thursday night football game was liberating, because people are just, you know, you got to you got to change everything up. You got to no, you just run the same play over and over again, and it's easy. It's football. I like when football's easy, and mm-hmm. the Texans don't make that happen. So. You know, got to find it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, that's what was like great about Hopkins as well, too. It's like, this is a really easy source of offense. Where no matter what, like, every time you get at least, like, you know, four to seven yards if you throw it to him over there. Remember watching the Rams play the Texans this year? That was a really bad loss. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, they were able to cover by scoring three touchdowns at the end there. Rex Burkhead and- scored a touchdown that game. You remember that? I, I do. <laughs> and that changed the entire season. Everything was better from there. That's what that's what David Cully said. We found, and it's exactly what happened. We found a way to win. <laughs> we found a way to win a game that we lost by you know, 10 plus points. <sighs> I think that game is probably worse than that Tom Savage Rams game in 2017 where Robert Woods caught that like 98 yard touchdown pass. Man, yeah. Yeah. That was the uh, thing that happened. And we sat there, we watched it. The whole Tom Savage era compressed for me. Yeah. That's that's one of the big moments for sure. <laughs> God. I can't believe they started him for the rest of the season. <laughs> I, I like as bad as Brock Osler was, I can't believe they benched him or Tom Savage. Like, that's how bad it was. Wasn't it well, it was TJ Yates on, on Christmas, wasn't it? It was uh Heineke on Christmas against the Steelers. Heineke. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And they lost like thirty-one to seven. And JJ was cheering on his brother from the injured injured booth. Man, it's been a long. These time are all things that was... happened. It's been a long time since there was good football here. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like it's kind of really the only thing that matters this year is what they get for Deshaun Watson at the end of it. And if they botch that, like I think we kind of talked about before, they may not be good until two thousand thirty-one. Like you can't put like a expected date where they may be good again if they botch the Watson trade or and or like they miss the picks that they select with them as well too. I think that they will be a NFL team again in 2024. That's my hope. Is that with or without Nick Casario? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just don't like that. He gives me a weird feeling. He's uh, He's very... He's very able to fill space with his words, and it's space that it's like, wow, I'm glad that I'm hearing from the general manager. But what is he actually saying? And the answer is nothing. It's the Patriots' way. <laughs> and it's just every time I, I – okay, so the – what was it? The last one he did with uh, with Seth Payne and, and Sean Penner, guys, on 610, I had to listen to that thing three times before I understood anything that he said. <laughs> He was just an assault of words, and like you can't even clip the answers because they're like three minutes long, and also the War of eighteen twelve happened in in one of the answers or something, and it's just like how do I even condense this to make it readable for anybody? 
<laughs> and I'm I'm always thankful for what you do because I would never watch this stuff at all, and then it, it's like the best like uh, looking glass that we have, you know. Thank you. I I, like, I I need a new life. It's true. I don't know who, but like who, like I I think you're the only person in the world who watches this stuff too. Like who else? Like is there an average Texan fan who tunes into this week in week out? There can't be one that exists. I mean, I put, I, I put I put it this way. Uh, I looked at what was it? They they had the water break Wednesday thing for. Uh, uh, they put on the YouTube channel, which is Drew Doherty and uh, DP Sidhu answering questions. And like every week, consistently on YouTube, this thing gets less than 200 views, which means like I have had Final Fantasy four runs that have been put up on YouTube that get <laughs> more views than this thing will ever see. And I think that's a good <laughs> summation of where we are right now. It's as esoteric. The Texans are an esoteric franchise now. They're art. They are. are we hipsters or what? It's subjective, yeah. It's art, man. I think the Texans pup is the best uh, hallmark of where we were at this year. That the PR needed to go uh, and and find some random Labrador in order to get interest going. Matt, Matt, are you gonna get in trouble? Don't get canceled for killing Texans. The the Texans pup wallpaper that Texans dog posted for this show. Oh my God, the Texans have NFTs. Or he's the Texas pup is howling at the moon, and like the full moon behind him. I mean, I'm I've been you know I get I get I don't I'm not an angry person. I get riled up sometimes. Like I don't get like actively angry, but that one got me a little angry. That I want to meet the person that has on their phone. Like I want to meet the person who has the Texas pup howling at the moon on their phone. It's just Debbie. It's just I want to know who buys the NFT for the Houston Texans. It's also just Debbie. Just Debbie who, the tech. Who pays money for that? Yeah. Like, is that currency or people it's, it's like. Just, it's just Debbie. Yep. Literally just Debbie. And that one guy who wears the bandana all the time and does the flex, he's on some yeah, of their, the uh, their things. Yeah, that guy's on there too. Yeah. There you go. That's two fans. <laughs> oh, no. Wait. And then that one father's son from that clip that you showed, uh, Rivers. Where they showed the or the slideshow where they showed the same family like twice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, we we found many Texans fans in Indianapolis. Let's take a look at them. <laughs> Four slides later, one of which had nothing in it. Done. Excellent that, work that, all. And that poor child will eventually ride Bow Red Blog one day in, in, in ten years. Man, that's even that's even darker than being a Texans fan as a kid. I feel like. Yes, it's a it's a life that we chose. It wasn't thrust upon us, you know. I, uh, I whenever Steph was on the podcast, I talked to her about uh, Texans pup. It's like you know that's kind of like how bad this team is. Is that it makes you not even want to enjoy puppies at all anymore? I was like, yeah, I hate them. Every single time I see a Labrador, I just want to. You know, I want to poop and then shove its own nose in my own poop, you know. <laughs> That's what Texas Pup has done to me. I want to see you fight Texans Pup, by God. I'll kick its ass. <laughs> I got two feet, two arms, and it got four feet. There's no, it's not even a battle at all. Uh... That's what I wanted to see in the next Jackass movie, though, where 
like Steve goes to a dog park and you know there's just all these dogs running around and he just strips naked and just takes a giant dump in the middle of the dog park and then with the newspaper and everything and then just puts his pants up and then walks out the door, you know. That's what I was hoping for. The cool thing about covering the Texans now is that like there are things where like regular fan bases would be like, Oh my goodness, this is this is bizarre. And I, it's those things have become things that I don't even clip anymore because they don't even like register with me. Like they they interviewed Danny Amendola today, and he brought up the <laughs> he he brought up that Dylan Thompson was in was in the personnel department, and I was just like, sure, I I believe it. It doesn't change anything. We're all screwed anyway. Oh, and that, and that's Jack on. that's Jack Eastby's disciple, right? The Dylan Thomas guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, and like, why are they interviewing Danny Amendola to begin with? You know. Well. Got to interview somebody. <laughs> Patriots way, that's why. Oh, it was just, it's just like a, a, a 10 minute clip of him being like, yeah, I'm very happy to be here. I like Papacitos. Also other things about Houston. I'm happy to be here. Culture's good. <laughs> They're paying Lord me three million dollars this year to say this. Mountains are nice. This is the life, etc. etc. <laughs> nice Chrono Trigger reference. Tim, what do you got to say? I think he wants to say something. Tim! <laughs> I think you're <laughs> muted, Tim. <laughs> you have no mouth, but you must scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I thought it'd be. A, I thought this would be a fun thing to do. Why would you think that? Oh, it was it was fun, like in February of this year, you know, and uh, it was fun, like after the draft, I think, and the the preseason one was pretty fun, I think. But I think we knew what, we were like we were staring into the in the barrel of the gun, you know. We knew what was going to happen. I can't believe there's eight more weeks of this extended season. Hate baby. The extra games so much. We I should hate have the extra games so much. We should file a lawsuit against the NFL for the extra game. I think so too. But us yeah. involve the players, you know. Yeah, Maybe well, make money, sure. The players can join it too. That's fine. But like, really, we're the ones suffering here. Suing for damages, yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is I, emotional I, I distress. Go, nope. We're the ones suffering, so yeah. Nobody I, needed an extra Texans to game. That, uh, I think we go to that Week 18 Texans Titans game when there's seven thousand people there. And I've been to a game since Maurice Jones, since the Maurice Jones Drew Jaguars team beat them in two thousand, I guess nine when Chris Brown fumbled into the end zone. I've been to one Texans game, that's the one I've ever been to. And Chris Brown fumbled into the end zone going for like on third and one as their goal line back. And I haven't been there since then. So but I think we go week eighteen Texans Titans though this year. I hope I hope there's like seven thousand people there. Was that the same game where he threw the halfback pass, or was that a different game? Uh, no, that was it. No, that was it. I think it was against the Titans, because they're like Chris Brown's our red zone back. You know, we we they pay a bunch of money to get him from Tennessee because they struggled in the red zone the year before, and then he was just terrible in the red zone. Yeah, that all checks out for sure. Sounds like Texans logic. Yeah, that was yeah. That was, the only. The, the only thing I really remember about that game was Maurice Jones drew score a touchdown like on the south end zone where we were at, 
And everybody just gave him the middle finger, and he was loving every second of it. Well, uh, Matt, do you have any closing thoughts for your first mega cast? Did you have a fun time? Did you enjoy it? It is pleasure to be here. Honor to be here. Uh, That's right. As, as much dreary as I pictured it would be uh, for a midseason review, uh, <laughs> we reviewed about all that has happened, which is unwatchable football. And uh, I, I, we're halfway there, question mark. We're almost there. And then we got to do it for one more season, probably. Minimum. It's nice to see everybody. And then, yeah, that, yeah. that's all I got for you. <laughs> it is nice to see everybody. That's the best part about doing this. Just friends together. Friends, family, bad football. What about you, Pat? What are your closing thoughts? Have you enjoyed watching the Kraken play this year? Oh, God. They've sucked about as much as the Texans, but at least they have the excuse of being the first year of their existence. How's the stadium? Stadium's beautiful. I actually went there to see the Eagles play there a couple weeks ago, I want to say. It's it's a beautiful arena, but I haven't been able to see the um, Kraken play there yet. We're supposed to see them um, closer to my birthday in a couple weeks, so okay, that's cool. cool to watch. That's nice. Do you have any uh, any future article ideas in the pipe after you? Uh, I actually wanted your to do a, this past week. I actually wanted to do a video of the um, of Willy Wonka doing that. Uh, if you want to view Paradise vid- song, but um, it would require an actual like sound editor to do that because that's something beyond my capacity. Because I had an idea for that, but that was just something I couldn't include with the uh, last post I put. Put together so mm. if you're a sound editor and for some, for whatever reason you're watching this please get in touch with me i would love to talk to you because I, I have ideas i could sing it for you if you want oh i could sing it too it's just i need someone to be able to take out the words of um gene wilder singing oh yeah, so yeah. I could, like not be able so people would be able to listen to him instead of me because i see what you're saying i'm the one you want to listen to right Especially right exactly. now. Right. How's Percy doing? No, I asked you. <laughs> How's Percy doing? <laughs> we're trying. You have any closing <laughs> thoughts, Rivers? <laughs> we're battle fighting. <laughs> yeah, we're battle fighting our best right now. I'm both little drunk. Closing closing thoughts. Um, the only good team currently in the Houston area is one that deserves to be punished by Major League Baseball. Not for cheating, no, but for letting the Atlanta Braves win the World Series. The Astros did nothing wrong. I said not for cheating. They did nothing wrong. I said because they let the Atlanta Braves win the World Series. Okay, good answer. Who's your... Are the Braves your, your most hated NL East team? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, not close. Not close at all. Not the Phillies. I'm surprised. I mean, I grew up in an era where the Phillies weren't, never did anything, really. Yeah, fair. And I I instead watched, you know, all the Mets games that I had basically were like TBS, Maddox, Glavin. Oh, yeah. Rubbing up their ass over and over again. Think about that. Yeah, I, I think I can name one Phillies player from King Griffey Jr. Baseball, you know? 
You're not a Kevin Sepsek guy, huh? No, I don't think I can name one. Those are some dark times. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't much to say at all. I think I said it all. been saying it all I, I can every single week, you know. But it's fun seeing everybody. It's fun doing this as we can. I miss you, uh, Matt. I miss you, too. I want to go up to Washington again one day. Maybe in like seven years or so. Give or take. take some time. Well, thanks. Yeah. I was, thanks, Weston, for your service and uh, doing all the games, uh, all, all, all the detailed breakdowns that nobody reads because this team is annoying and stupid. And Pat, thank you for the article today, which was mind blowing, of course. And, it was great. Uh, uh, obviously, your Ministry of Information work is top notch. And uh, Matt, thank you for your draft work as well. Can't wait to get start ramping up. <laughs> yeah, we each have our own idea right for Jeff. Yeah, I told myself during this year I was going to watch every Texans coaches film, and I don't know how we have eight more of these left. You know, God it's bless just hard. Like, you see the oh, same, you see no, the same bad thing in the same bad way every single time. You know, there isn't like a new thing coming around the corner. It's like, oh, it's just the same bad thing all over again. Listen, like, yeah, here, here it is. Over, over, under. Your draft, your Jeff Driscoll tight end video views a hundred thousand. That's my prediction. Over, over a thousand, I think would be a hard one. No, no, I think people want to see this. I think this is going to catch on. The Jeff Driscoll train is going. All right, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make the Jeff Driscoll every snap a tight end video, but I'm gonna do the thing I don't do at all, and I'm gonna pander. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna text you and say, hey, can you retweet this Jeff Driscoll video? And I'll reach out to everybody I know and see if we can get uh, 100,000 Jeff Driscoll videos of him playing tight end. Absolutely. Oh, based it'll on the press like, release, it'll yeah. Like, it'll be like planking, but in, in Houston, Texans form, you know? Oh, God. So I just every want snap to... of him playing tight end, I'll, I'll make a collage of. I want to see Jeff Driscoll run split zone and have it then <laughs> just crash down and just throw him to the turf. At this point, this is what we have to look forward to this year. I'd rather watch. Well, no, I'm. I'm gonna, I'd take that back. I'd ra- I yeah, I'd rather watch Jeff Driscoll play split zone than Ryan Griffin. You know, I'll take Tom- I watched Jordan Thomas run split zone. He wasn't very good at it. This is a, this is a quarterback though. <laughs> this is a different <laughs> degree, a- Matt. <laughs> Uh, they're gonna do it too. They're gonna open up the game with split zone with Jeff Driscoll. Oh yeah, so uh, they'll, they'll, what, we, what we've been doing for two weeks. They'll run some like weird uh, uh, end around with him first, and then be like, "Oh, we did it! We showed you Jeff Driscoll, rare athlete." That they're gonna try to block with him, and he's gonna get murdered. Just sign Tebow if you're gonna do that. Well, you know, yeah, why not? Just sure. like sign, just sign Tebow. I don't think anybody cares at this point. You might as well. Be be good for the publicity, if nothing else. Yeah, it's tough. Well, I enjoyed it. It's been my Friday night with y'all. We'll uh, we'll do this again in eight weeks. In the meantime, we'll have some weekly Valorant radios here and there uh, as the year goes on through. And then, Matt, whenever we get closer to the end, and probably after the season, I'll, I'll reach out to you. I'll do some draft stuff as well, and we can do some draft podcasts too. All right. Sounds good. I'll send you like a short list of uh, some small school guys to take a look at. 
Yeah, yeah. Once we get once we hit uh, February, we can do that. But I enjoy all of you. It was a great night. Until next time, you're listening to Ballarat Radio. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.